0: Lights. This is Null Point with my co-host Cedric. We're going to be talking about I don't know. <laughs> That's all I had prepared. <laughs> it was an intro. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, hopefully, we figure out what this podcast is about before the end of the podcast. What do you What do you think, Cedric? Talk. You can talk now. It's okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was told that we'd be discussing greenhouse emissions or something. We could you know, light
0: topics. It has to be related to gaming though. So if we're going to talk about greenhouse emissions, could you relate greenhouse Uh, emissions to to games? I'm sure you could in some way.
1: Yeah, no, I I already got something lined up for that. Um, In (laughs) Factorio, it's a core mechanic of the game. Really? you, You release greenhouse gases and then the biters smell it and they come and kill you for it because they care about their planet.
0: Huh, that's weird. You never see that here on earth. <laughs> so I, I am the most professional. and I, I say I say a joke and then I bump my head straight into the microphone. Oh man. Now my hair looks weird. Everything's weird. Life is weird. No one's even watching anyway so we're just gonna keep going like this until somebody makes us shut up. Yay. What was it? We had a vague plan of talking about games that we like as I recall but I think the other thing I need to figure we've got so I've got a bunch of sounds over here right like we can have people cheer so that way whatever we say if we make a good point we can do that and if I don't like the point we can use so we can make jokes do you want to tell a joke no no man's sky was finished on release (laughs) I don't think Anybody thinks that so, it's not much of a Jay's joke at that point.
1: Streaming Warframe next week.
0: <laughs> thinks that things that aren't happening. Comment like, What Cedric shot? I've got a whip too. If you misbehave, that's what you're gonna get. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um, but I knew like we had a few things that we'd gone over over the last. I don't know, a couple of weeks where we were trying to figure out, like, what should we talk about? And I, th- I think having segments makes a lot of, you know, sense. And I suppose the thing to start with, since we're completely unprepared, I feel like everybody else starts with, like, the news. Do you know any news for the week? Because <laughs> I sure don't.
1: I mean, we can always prattle off the same points that... Uh... Jim Sterling always hits.
0: Ooh, what what did Jim Sterling hit this week?
1: Same thing as always, probably. Um, you Corporatism know, bad, bad, uh, and uh, AAA devs don't pay their workers and uh, and making
0: out with trolls. Remember that yes, being a thing, right?
1: No, not not trolls anymore. Boglins,
0: boglins. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. So for anybody who's wondering, we, we plan on having Cedric here in my studio to record stuff, but today didn't work out for an assortment of reasons having to do with the, I believe the Backstreet Boys reunion tour is what the Game Grumps are calling it, but we'll just call it the pandemic. Um, so, so there you go. I'm trying to like adjust my, the music levels. The music seems too loud. So but really, like, the only... Because the only news I'm aware of is a little bit old, which is the Blizzard thing. Um, you know, that whole they're being sued for really good reasons.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a bit old. Yeah.
0: Um, Though I did have one thing that happened kind of, I guess, personally? Not personally. I don't know if you call it personal or not. I have a friend who actually reached out for the first time in forever. I won't say their name, but... Um, they work for LinkedIn. They work for Linda particularly, and they have a friend. This is where you know news is getting good. They have a though the brother-in-law works for Blizzard. Um, it's just kind of interesting to talk to him about it because he was just talking about how it kind of sucks for his brother-in-law because his brother-in-law is a stand-up guy that just really didn't know what was going on. If you're not familiar, the the lead on Diablo Four actually was one of the ones that just kind of left. Nobody's really sure why. So yeah, he's on that project, Is uh, well, he just works on the project, I won't say where, and for him it kind of sucks, because he's like, hey, I wasn't doing any of this stuff, and I don't agree with it, and a lot of Blizzard employees clearly don't agree with it, because they're having protests and sending out demands and things like that, and it feels like a lot of folks just want to punish Blizzard, and, and it's really hard to figure out how do you do that without punishing all the employees, and I don't know what the answer is to that question. Um, I know Alana covered this as well, so I don't know.
1: That's always kind of a problem with the game dev um, because on the one hand, you've got a lot of people that are very entitled and very mean to developers, Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, you can't really punish the bad actors without punishing the rest of the company when you're just a consumer. Like it has to come down to holding the upper management accountable, um, because that's literally their job is to manage the company, and they failed miserably in in so many ways. Yeah. Um. And as a society, we don't do that. We don't look at it and say the devs and the management are two different parts of the company. In fact, it gets to the point where the upper management is usually more famous than the people that actually make the products that people want to play.
0: Yeah. Which caused, because remember when, when uh, and it can be problematic for a lot of reasons, I remember when, when Bravek, uh who did Diablo 1 and 2, left Blizzard, or was forced out, depending on who you talk to, um, it caused a lot of issues along those lines where it, it just created divisions, Right? So, you had a lot of people who wanted to support Breivik in his move, and you had a bunch of other people who were like, this is dumb, this just shows that Blizzard's falling apart, and it kind of divides the community. And that's just like, somebody just leaving, ostensibly of their own, their own will, and this is just, you know, how do you... I don't know. I really don't know. That's why we hopped onto Blizzard first, is because it's impossible to answer that question, so why not address that in the podcast, right? <clears> hmm <throat> have you heard anything else from that over the last few days or i've been kind of keeping my head under a bushel so
1: uh no it's mostly died down as far as my circle goes but Mm. no one in my circle is really in a position where it affects them so fair enough
0: yeah i'm trying to think of trying to think if I like a news section to begin with (laughs) because this is like I said before this is the podcast before we actually have a podcast so we're kind of it's episode zero maybe I don't know
1: I don't know that it's gonna matter too much if we have a news section I feel like if there's something big enough to be interesting to talk about we'll get to it
0: well I don't mean I don't mean news in the sense of like we're trying to keep the masses informed or just commenting on the big stories what we think is interesting essentially um, I know that, uh, like I, I tend to be more likely to follow, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I tend to be more likely to follow, sorry, technical difficulties suddenly trying to, there we go. Trying to move things around a little bit. Mm Hmm. Okay. Done having technical difficulties now. I know that I tend to follow news from games like the games I'm actually playing more like I've heard a lot about Elite Dangerous lately because I've been playing Elite Dangerous and I've heard a little bit about Final Fantasy 14 because I follow Final Fantasy 14 and you know just things along those lines I'm assuming it's the same for you right?
1: Not so much really but I don't typically have a lot of games that are in ongoing development that I'm actively playing. Mm. Or if they are in ongoing development, it's usually because they did a major release and not something I'm playing that then gets news about it.
0: Fair. Interesting. I guess major releases kind of generate news, don't they? Yeah. Because I know that, like... The, because the big thing with um, Elite Dangerous these days has been the Odyssey fiasco. Which, for anybody who's listening and doesn't know what that is, uh, Odyssey was a big release... From Frontier Games for uh, Elite Dangerous, and it didn't work very well. It it added a whole bunch of new features. You can go planet side now and walk around in their missions, and you've got a gun, which is totally different from what it had been because Elite Dangerous is really kind of a space fly around in your spaceship and pretend it's kind of like Star Trek, but not really, and you're trading commodities and. Like it's really, you're in space is the main thing. And so they added in a whole bunch of like, you can walk into the stations now and actually meet people. You can go onto the surface and you can meet people and then you can go do missions and you can shoot things. You got a gun and you got to upgrade the gun and the gun's kind of grindy. And like, it's a major expansion of the game, right? It changes the gameplay significantly. And as a result, there have been some problems. (laughs) Bunches of problems, performance problems being chief among them but um actually i think i think that's really the big thing though there was apparently there had been a promise that not a promise but an implication that there'd be ship interiors because we're allowing the players to walk around and everybody's always wanted to see the interior of their ship and that didn't happen so no ship interiors lots of bugs and a form of play that i don't know that a lot of people in the elite dangerous community were asking for um, and then on top of all that, it's been broken and had humongous performance issues. So, that's going on. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. We've been playing Elite Dangerous a little bit. I've been playing it more than you, I think, but...
1: Yeah, the last time I played was when we did the co-op stuff to try it out.
0: Mm. Which was actually somewhat interesting to me. But... Oh, I completely lost I, what I was thinking of. What?
1: I don't know if it's just better... For your pacing of gameplay, or if you would have a different experience with it as the second player on it, not being able to pilot, and, uh, because it, it was mostly downtime what for me when we did co-op.
0: It was mostly downtime for me, too. All I had to do was drive the thing around. <laughs> I think the co-op experience was really interesting for me because it was like, it was like driving somebody around in a car who's making a phone call. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... Um, but not really a phone call cause you could talk to me. Like we were just exploring and I would fly around the planet and you'd scan it, right? Like really simple stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's relaxing.
0: It's relaxing if you will. But the, the big reason why I bring up Frontier at all is because they had one of my favorite things to complain about is a problem, which is a lack of communication. <laughs> they had a instance where they were releasing a roadmap and I got a lot of this from obsidian ant for anybody who might be curious obsidian ant is a really good channel to watch on YouTube for news regarding elite dangerous, but he was showing off. It was, I think a month ago where they showed off kind of a roadmap quote unquote, and it had like three planned releases on it. And each one of them was something like it was really vague. Like the first one say improve performance, and deal with balancing issues. Like it really was that vague. Um, I'd take the time to bring it up, but like I pretty much just described it. It was like super vague and everybody was like, what on earth are you even friggin' talking about? What the heck is going on here?
1: Just those good old dev logs that are, (laughs) you know, push messages of code.
0: (laughs) We're gonna fix the thing
1: single semicolon because they didn't want to type anything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> TL and no DR. Um, just, just the too long. But the reason why I bring that up, a lot of build up for this point, is because I actually fixed it. They Over the last week or so, they developed a site that they have now where you can very easily go and see what issues are being reported, and how many people are upvoting it, like, hey, this really ought to be fixed, and they've actually got general ETAs, and it's not perfect, but it's like a huge step forward from the roadmap they had before. So, Mm. good on Frontier for taking that first step into the, you know, wild and crazy world of keeping your player base informed when you have an MMO like you ought to, you stinkers. Ugh, Anyway, but I'm I'm glad they're doing it. It is a big pet peeve of mine. Everybody needs to strive to be Final Fantasy XIV on that particular point, at least, because they're very good at communicating. Like they have live letters all the time, where they just sit down and answer as many questions as they can from the community. They've got a list that you can see on what's being worked on. Like it's just really, really well communicated. Regardless of other problems that Cedric see. has with fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> they do that. This well. is
1: another reason why you need to play Warframe. They do a live stream dev meeting every week. Cool.
0: I can watch the live stream dev meeting and then I cannot play the game. It'll be great.
1: <laughs> you can't watch the live stream dev meeting because that's what gets you sick. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny.
0: <laughs> Warframe just just in general makes me sick. Even just watching the live stream of people talking about the game. Makes me want to throw no, that.
1: They do gameplay during the live stream. <laughs> oh, do they?
0: It might actually yeah. then. Just shut my eyes. It'll be great. You anyway, know, I don't propose to make this a, a news show. It would be, I think it'd be great if for the first little segment though, we did some amount of news just because it's usually fun to comment on more than anything else. Assuming we've both kind of read about it. And it's funny because like the, the whole thing that this podcast is kind of built off of is we used to have these conversations, right? Um, back when we could be outside and go to coffee shops and we'd hang out for a couple hours and just talk about random nonsense and i remember we used to talk about the news a bunch um but it was usually just like a game we were super passionate about and something was going on usually it was blizzard being stupid so i guess it's good that we started with blizzard being stupid this this week because that is my traditional thing to complain about
1: Keeps <laughs> it old school
0: yeah no school like the old school right see i've got a joke now it's great And I've got a I've got a thing for joke. So what are the other sounds on here? Apparently, if I'm disappointed in somebody, I can go right ahead and hit that. So so there's that. Did you ever
1: replace the one that you uh, were really confused about being on there? I don't know. Was it
0: this one? No, No, I like that one. Oh yeah, I did. I did. It's my alternate drum thing now. The one that's like, <laughs> nerd. Yeah, I got i got rid of that. It's like, I'm not going to sit around and be called a nerd. I can do that to myself in the mirror. I don't need any help. But yeah, I got rid of the nerd thing. I need to figure out what sounds we need. Like, I think that's, that's key to a good podcast, is having random sounds. Some of these are terrible. Like, that's really corny. What was this one? Like, I like the idea of crickets, but... I don't know bad, why that's those, bad crickets yeah it's bad crickets those are like evil evil biker crickets they're threatening us they're saying get out of our parking spot <laughs> so we can park our little tiny motorcycle here <laughs> that's what's going on there and there's a whole hmm. second bank I can get to if I want but uh yeah I uh, I don't have that one even queued up I don't know how if there's a shortcut to get to it either hmm well, there you go. It is what it is. What are you going to do? Anyway, so I say... This is what I should be writing down, actually. Because this is this is the meta podcast. It's actually Null Point, is what it's called. But it's today's episode is very meta, because we're talking about the podcast. And we're doing it live, as is always the way that you ought to do things. So I say we do... So segments... to keep us slightly organized. Um, News from games we care about. That'll be a segment. Eventually. And what other segments should we do? Because I don't want to do ones that take a whole ton of preparation. So Uh,
1: there's the always classic what have you been playing? Oh yeah, what have you been playing? uh, Depending on... How that section goes, there could be a second segment of um, the games that we've been kind of throwing at each other.
0: Oh, right. That's kind of like, I was thinking of that as like the deep dive, but it's, it's like game, t- I don't know. Coplay, I guess we can call it. Coplay. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I also. Er, what have you been playing? Coplay. I know that like there'd been some thought about talking about mechanics specifically like trying to teach about mechanics but i don't know if that's really where we want to start so
1: i think that'll just kind of come up Mm. and
0: podcasts are really all about just being background noise nobody's going to listen to us or however long it is we plan on recording this how long have we been going so far it says we've been going for 23 minutes or something i don't think we've been recording the whole time
1: so all we need to do is sit here and say watermelon
0: all right I gotta I gotta be famous thing sorry everybody I've got to ban somebody <laughs> man it's sad when uh, oh I got one and you got the other nice we're all over this <laughs> thing work are you my one viewer then as well <laughs> probably this this thing's popping off let me tell you I figure if this little segment... Oh, I need to show people so they can see. Look, watch this. If you're watching the screen, there's a button I can hit. Oh wow, yeah, look. oh, we can be famous. How great is that? I think feel free to comment it may be used on the podcast. that's that's a good thing to say. We did to be fair, we did comment on the be famous people. So I feel like I have fulfilled my text promise <laughs> that I put right there. <laughs> right? Sure. Sure. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, News from games we care about. What have we been playing and co-play? I don't even know what else we're supposed to talk about. My problem is I don't want to be super trying I mean, another
1: classic was how you would build a water-powered computer. (laughs) That's what we call a tangent, and that's probably what (laughs) it's going to be.
0: We're going to have these three segments, and it's going to be like, 10% on topic, and then 90% just random tangents about things like water computers. Didn't somebody go and do that? I thought somebody actually went and built a water computer using, like, pneumatic pressure or something. Pneumatic, Uh, or or whatever. Water pressure.
1: I think that... uh, Gosh, what channel was that? There was a guy on YouTube that, along with Stand Up Maths, that was one of the channels, but... There was a science YouTuber that actually did a processor that was just different buckets of water that poured it into each other.
0: Wow. And they did it automatically. Is this correct? Yeah.
1: It was just a a very basic adding machine, though. Steve Mould.
0: Still, I mean, like getting anything to work sounds cool to me. I mean, you're not going to be able to go very quickly, but I think I like it just because a lot of times you use electricity. Pardon me, electricity is often explained in terms of water and the flow of water. That's how you try to explain things like voltage and amplitude and. Yeah. I mean, it's they're not usually the best of examples, but they're the common examples. So it's cool that somebody actually went and built one out of uh, out of water.
1: Yeah, I think it really helps to kind of point out that computers are not some magical thing that's going to give rise to life where there is none. It's literally just a series of events that have a predictable outcome.
0: Mm. No, they're they're sentient. I don't think I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Diodes have opinions. It'll be, it'd will be it be interesting to try to figure out how do you go about recreating consciousness inside of a computer. If you program a computer to fill, is it actually filling is one of those odd questions because I feel like you can ask the same thing about human beings. Like, do we actually fill things just because we fill things? I don't know. It gets a little bit too existential at that point. Quite existential. On a scale of 1 I remember one reading to ten.
1: a scientific paper that theorized to create sentience you need to have a Basically, you need to recreate the uh, id, ego, and superego. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean... Because y- you need the base machine, you need a machine that then reflects on the base machine, and then you need a third one that reflects on both of them.
0: I don't know if that's how I'd describe the id, the ego, and the super ego, but I can see what they're yeah. saying... Like the id, ego and super ego is a really, really basic model these days, but it kind of serves to kind of show, Hey, you've got your reptilian brain or your lizard brain as a lot of people call it. You've got a mammalian brain, which is the next layer that grew. And then you've kind of got this human thing that's kind of out in front of all of this, but it's not, it's actually not particularly. They
1: disproved the whole reptilian brain nonsense.
0: No, it's not. It's not nonsense. It's just, it's. Not that it's actually a reptile brain that's back there. It's just that it shares a lot of features that kind of lower order brains have. And so people call it the reptilian brain. It's not actually a reptile brain. It's just a reference to the fact that that's where most of your basic functions are. So at least that's my understanding. I, I just
1: can't help but roll my eyes every time someone's like, but the reptilian brain or the mammalian brain, and it's like, that, that doesn't actually work like that.
0: Well, I think probably the better way to put it would be core functionality and things like keeping your heart beating and keeping all your internal organs moving and all that sort of stuff is down at the base of the brain. And then when you get up towards the higher parts of the brain that evolved later in human existence, those are all about social things, which again is kind of a mammal Ish thing because um, they tend to work in packs more often, though there are other animals that do as well, so it's not really just mammals. And then there's the stuff that came a little bit after that's kind of higher order thought. Um, I mean,
1: if we really want to talk about higher order thinking and organisms and stuff like that, uh, you could argue that a ant colony is a higher order than humans.
0: You could. So we're going to let you do that. Go ahead. <laughs> You volunteered. I you mean, got, you got to talk about it now.
1: You got just so many bodies working for the reproduction of one entity in the entire nest, yeah. and like
0: the hive—the hive mind theory was well, not really a theory. They clearly have a hive mind. Because that gets back to like what's the nature of sentience because that's that is one thing that is required to be a living organism right is what people will say like there's a million ways to define what it means to be a living organism but one way is that desire to reproduce and none of the drones can do that on their own. They're incapable of it. So are they actually alive on their own or are they alive in conjunction with each other? And then also with the queen and whatever male. Oh, I said drones. I think the drones are the males. Anyway, the worker ants. Are they are they alive on their own or do, do they only count as being alive when they are put together as a giant group? Um, and the answer to that question is nobody should care. <laughs> but But we worry about those things. So I don't know. Because the, uh, the thing is, you can say the same thing about the id, the ego, and the superego. I think they're useful in terms of trying to understand um, how you communicate with yourself, but they're not. It's not how your brain actually works. It's just kind of, hey, yeah. your superego is the parts of you that care about what other people think. The id is the part that really, really doesn't. And you're just kind of in the middle trying to balance the two. That's a very it's almost
1: like the majority of philosophy was just people bullshitting about what they are thinking about at the moment and then people wrote it down and took it way too seriously
0: (laughs) we'll probably get some of that out of this you know just randomly talking and people take it way too seriously
1: but You, you honestly think anyone will write stuff down from this
0: you never know that's the thing like sometimes i wonder if jesus was just sitting around saying random random shit and people were like hey bro that's cool what you're talking about and jesus was like no this is just This is just common sense. It's like, no, but we can, we can add some really magical stuff too. We'll just get, we're going to say that you walked on water. Is that cool? No, no, I'm just, I'm just talking. No, look, we know you're sitting on this mount doing the sermon thing, but we're going to talk about how you fed thousands of people with a loaf of bread. But I didn't do that. No, no, no. I I figure this happens to like people who don't suspect it's going to happen. I feel like a lot of folks who try to make it happen end up just looking like attention seeking weirdos. And it doesn't work. Isn't
1: that the plot of Life of Brian?
0: Yes, in fact. And it is not a mistake, I think, that it comes to mind today because I was watching some Monty Python stuff this morning. But yeah, Fair I enough. think I think the, the thing is like, I feel like that was probably true with the life of Christ, assuming he actually existed, which I don't see why not. Um, Siddhartha, the original Buddha, Gautama Buddha, was a little bit... Better understood to have existed and actually was a monk. And a lot of people wrote down his stuff. So, but he never wrote anything down himself. So it's one of those things where it's like, did they really exist? Because they never wrote anything. You know?
1: Yeah, it's amazing how many of the great works or ancient philosophers, you know, prominent religious figures are mostly recorded in what, 800 AD or something like that? Like way <laughs> later than you'd think.
0: Well, a lot of it, um, whatever the mythos around Jesus was, if he really existed, i and I tend to think he probably did because a lot of people talked about him as actually existing. Did he exist in the way that they describe? Uh, it is Sunday, yeah. so I'm glad we're talking about this, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like the mythos around it um, definitely butted up over the next 200, 300 years, because there were people who were, who have verified writings from 70, 80 years after, like the Epistles of Paul, for example. Um, those are all pretty verified as coming from an actual person who liked to write to towns, apparently, and tell them how to live their lives. Like Corinth. <laughs> Take that, Corinth, you bunch of jerks. And Siddhartha, he had a bunch of people writing down his stuff about... They say around 30 years after he passed away, and there are definitely records of those meetings happening. So, but then there's things like Taoism uh, with Lao Tzu, where you're not really sure. Like, they say he wrote the Tao Te Ching, but there's really no evidence of that. So, people kind of have made this character up, and that develops like Taoism develops in some very interesting ways, which is, I guess, now the
1: entire. Norse religion is based off of the Christian recordings of paganism. <laughs> you know those are going to be accurate, right? Always,
0: they're never sensationalized. So you're saying it's about as accurate as Lord of the Rings. If Lord of the Rings was about Norse mythology, which in some ways it ostensibly is, kind of, maybe. I don't know. I don't I mean, worry about it too much. Lord of
1: the much. Rings is becoming a religion. So
0: Lord of the Rings is yeah. becoming. I think. I think your future. Your use of future tense there is mistaken. <laughs> 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 oh man. It was good, we got we got sidetracked onto religion. That's not one of the segments. We can't talk about religion. <laughs> Demonetized. Demoned, you're out of here. <laughs> None of this random talk. Oh gravy. Um okay, so that's that's it for news from games we care about. <laughs>
1: Yay! I've really been excited about that. Can you smash two the
0: segments together. Yeah, sure. Why not? I think those are good. I think those are. Well, we're actually doing like a planning segment, quote unquote, and we're also getting rid of people who want us to be famous. I don't know why they want us to yeah. be famous. They want us to be famous, everybody. So, let's see. I think these are good segments. So, news from games we care about. I think. I I think it's a minimum amount of preparation to kind of go and find information about games we're already excited about. Like, I wouldn't bother with... Just because we covered a game last week doesn't mean we need to talk about news from it this week. It's just, if you're excited about it, let's talk about it. Um, Talk about the news around it a little bit. Though maybe, because doesn't that just kind of turn into what have you been playing? Doesn't it? Possibly. What have you been playing? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. If you come... Look, this is what it should be. It's just news that you care about. So it's not going to be news from games we care about. It's just news we care about. So if you find I don't know how many you want to
1: get on this, but... uh, It doesn't matter. The longest-running podcast that I have listened to regularly uh, was the Co-Optional podcast, and they did basically three segments where they had... um, what have you been playing? They had like one news article and then what do you have planned for the next week? And that usually took them three hours to get through.
0: (laughs) See, my favorite podcast of all time is the nine club, which by the way, anybody listening to this, if you're not listening to the nine club, even if you're not into skateboarding, highly recommend good stuff. But the nine club is basically like bring a skater in. And then the question is what's your deal. And then they just talk (laughs) like for forever Though to be fair, the thing that makes that podcast different from this one is the host of that is very familiar with skating. And so he knows the people that he's bringing in, and he can kind of walk them through their life story, if you will. So I don't think they're completely unplanned. It feels unplanned. But I've heard him say before, oh, we'll get to that a little bit later. You know, like if they're bringing up some story from recently, it's like, oh, we'll get to that later. Don't worry about it right now i would love for this show by the way to be like if we could get it going enough to start interviewing uh game devs oh that'd be Mm. awesome that'd be super cool because that'd be my excuse to get to talk to game devs you know (laughs) go talk to one of the people from blizzard what do you think about all this stuff is going on i think that would be fun i'd really like that yeah yeah so, News We Care About can be the first segment, what have you been playing, and then what have we been playing together. Though if they all blur together, I really don't care. I don't think.
1: What was the ones you it, said that it,
0: they had, particularly?
1: Uh, what have you been playing, and then like one news article, and then future plans. Because uh, they used it as a way to promote their individual channels as well.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, we're not really doing that, are we? But we might. Yeah. Sedgwick used to do Twitch, so go watch whatever VODs are left, and I do Twitch on occasion.
1: I don't know that there are any VODs left. (laughs) Oh Well, never mind. Too late, everybody. (laughs) I need to figure out what I'm doing with that.
0: Honestly, mostly I want people who who hear the podcast to just come watch the podcast and come comment at us and say, hey, this is what I think of what you're talking about, Um, Mm -hmm. which I'd hoped we'd have somebody by this morning, but... Lo and behold! I mean, we do not.
1: Sunday mornings, I feel like, are kind of a downtime for most people. I don't know yeah. that you'll get too many.
0: I'm trying to decide. This is completely unrelated to the podcast. I'm trying to decide, as I'm always trying to decide, uh, my schedule for Twitch again. I might move Sims over to Friday night, and then maybe we could do this Saturday mornings.
1: You can't. You can't move Sims to a Friday, though. You don't have the alliteration anymore.
0: I know. I'd miss it, but I want to have one day on the weekend where I'm not doing anything, so... <laughs> and it feels like Sims is a nice... Like, I can do Sims when I'm half asleep, and it's just as good as when I'm wide awake because it's just a really low-effort sort of game, if you will. For me, there are some people out there that are crazy and play the game at what I guess you would call a high level because they can have a hundred babies hundred baby challenge. Uh, people are nuts. Um, so people like watching it. That so is a very weird right.
1: challenge. Just you conceptually. Know. Yeah.
0: Well, you can't do it in real, you can't really do it in real life. So I think that's why <laughs> you gotta try to do it. In the I game. mean,
1: I, I can think of a few people that tried.
0: <laughs> what is the most? What is the highest number of people that have ever been born to one person? There's a for you. I was more thinking like a woman who gave birth to many children, but you're probably right. It's probably some guy who had hundreds of kids. Uh, and it may be, did you say Chinggis Khan? Maybe.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, didn't, wasn't there a report that like half of the world has ancestry back to him, but <laughs> I mean, if it, you go back, ridiculous. if
0: you go back far enough, We probably all have a little bit of somebody in us. Like, if you just go back far enough, it's quite likely that we all share some genes. Um, So maybe that's true. I don't know. Do I look like a friggin' geneticist to you? Because I'm not. And if I do, I'd I'd look that way on accident, that's for sure. Uh, So... I feel like that's the first segment. <laughs> I think I've said that twice now. So I guess the, the second segment times, is maybe. is what have we been playing, right?
1: Yes, but not related to things that we have more or less dared each other to play.
0: <laughs> that's the So during this segment, can we talk about games that we've played together provided we didn't dare each other to play the game? Because that's like the end thing, right? So the end the end should be I don't know be, that there,
1: there needs to be any hard lines but,
0: No, we must we must define this very carefully otherwise people are going to be extremely disappointed in us.
1: Yeah, <laughs> imagine if we started talking about video games instead of talking about video games.
0: I know. People would people would riot. There'd be panic in the streets. Panic in the disco. There'd be music. There'd be laughter. There'd be sound. Anyway, I was basically just trying to say, I think the last segment is where we're going to talk about um, Cold Waters and Ender Lilies a bit, and may continue to talk about, just whatever we're making each other play, basically, which means we're going to have to throw in, not this week, but next week, uh, what was the new game you wanted me to play, where you're the bad guy, where you're kidnapping people? Oh, that,
1: that's something different, that, that's oh, that not count? like... My challenge to you, that that was Twitch points.
0: True, and I, I'm going to be having to play that this next week. What was the game again? I'm forgetting. I'm bad at this.
1: Nefarious. Nefarious. I'll
0: be playing that on Twitch this week.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I think. This, this week or
1: just in the future?
0: No, I think this week. Like, I just want to... I mean, you would redeemed it. I'd feel bad putting it off for... Because I find that if you put it off too long, you just never do it. So, I'm trying to get into a habit of doing some random game and then doing sims either friday or saturday um and then the podcast like those are the three twitch streams i'm doing now i think i don't know we'll see it changes all the time anybody who's listening to this and thinks that i have anything close to a schedule in my life you need to be informed i do not just ask subject
1: sorry what happened i had someone barge in <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was just telling everybody that I don't know how to hold a schedule in a bucket because I'm always poking holes in the bucket. I'm bad at schedules. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Somebody barged in. Well, there you go. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Get out of here. I'm doing a podcast. Jeez. It'll be a little easier when you're over here because that's less likely
1: at least. Or at least we'll both respond to it. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Like what's going on? Or maybe we should be doing this like on Sunday afternoon, or I don't know when the good time is. This is actually the deadest time on Twitch, by the way. This time we're doing this at, so I don't know.
1: Viewer wise or stream wise, probably um, both.
0: Both, yeah. But I think viewer wise, especially, I think there's m- the the percent, the number of people per stream is lower. I think, is what I saw on Solenome. Yeah. So what have you been playing this week? Let's talk about it and get completely distracted.
1: Generally playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Well, there's always been, or at least for the past month or so, Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the never-ending story? I,
1: pretty much. <laughs> I started dipping back into Minecraft a little bit, just as a kind of time-wasting game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the rest of it really just goes down to uh, trying out the games that you suggested. Uh, Cold Waters, Elite Dangerous. Um, I think that was it. Was there a third <laughs> one?
0: Yeah. Oh no, there was... um. Rubble Rubble Galaxy. Did you try that one too? I have not. I have not done that one yet.
1: Didn't get to it yet. I did also uh, blitz through um, a Plague Tale, Innocence, in the past few days.
0: Is that the one with all the rats?
1: Yes, there were a lot of rats.
0: (laughs) More than three?
1: More than three. Um, They basically used the rats as a fluid simulation, so that was interesting.
0: Rats is a fluid. Uh, is something, something unsettling about that, which I think was the point. They know that the plague yeah. wasn't really spread by the rats, right? Like, I mean, I demand it w- that games it set and in the it past wasn't. strictly adhere to <laughs> to the best science we have. Wasn't? Wasn't? Go, go on, go on.
1: Well, I mean, the rats were basically a vector uh, but they weren't the primary reason that people got it. It was fleas that spread it but, you know, as a mammalian body that can hold the virus, I'm pretty sure they didn't help. I'm assuming that
0: that people probably spread it to each other as well this sounds like one of those things where the king told everybody to wear masks and they were like no and then after the thing was over they're like see it wasn't the masks it was the rats
1: well according to uh (laughs) a plague tale it was actually an ancient curse
0: oh brought to us from mongolia
1: By trying to thwart the curse in one person, they spread it to the rest of the world.
0: (gasps) No! That sounds like a lot of server problems I've had when I'm doing my day job. (laughs) Try to fix it in one place and all the servers break. You're like, no! And then rats start coming out of the walls. That happens all the time, let me tell you.
1: (laughs) Rats start coming out of the walls. They start (laughs) swarming. Eventually they start spinning in circles (laughs) in a death march. I'm
0: seeing like that. That meme where you've got Buzz Lightyear and, and Woody and Buzz has got his arm out. And he's like, imagine rats everywhere. Like, that's that game in a nutshell. <laughs> is it supposed to be a horror game? Like, what's up with that game? Is it a horror game?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'd call it a horror game. Um...
0: Is, it, is it scary then? Or is it just tense? I don't think you can do jump scares when you're using fluid... not fluid-activated,
1: fluid-modeled rats. I don't know if that works. They manage. uh, It's not real gory. Like, obviously, there's corpses and stuff like that, but it's not Mm -hmm. anywhere near, like, Mortal Kombat level of Viscera, which I know a lot of horror aficionados will say that really helps the genre. I I don't know care for it. I don't don't know. Okay,
0: here's something we can rant and rave about, is friggin' horror genre tropes. But, you say there's... I'll scream about that later. But, this game is... It looked like it was dark. Like, it was one of those games where it's not super viscera, it's more about, like, we're trying to scare you with with the dark.
1: It's a very oppressive atmosphere. Um, Okay. It's not super dark, but... Theme-wise, darkness plays a pretty pivotal role, and they do a lot of interesting stuff as far as, like, throughout the first half of the game, you have to behave in a certain way, plot contrivances come about, and then you basically wind up inverting the mechanics of the game on their head.
0: Ooh. Suddenly, so, you were chasing the rats, and so the rats chasing you, I guess.
1: <laughs> uh, how spoilery <laughs> are we getting? I don't know. I mean, know. I know that A Plague Tale is actually fairly old as far as games go, but...
0: We're getting as spoilery as we want to. I don't plan on playing it. So...
1: Uh, I, I guess official spoiler warning here then. Um,
0: spoilers, everybody.
1: For a I, I don't know that I particularly enjoyed this plot twist or anything, but about two-thirds the, the of the way through the game, you? Uh, the small child that you were escorting around... Uh, stops becoming a MacGuffin and starts becoming the main character of the story despite you having played most of the game as the older sister Mm. and develops uh, psychic abilities to control the rats and then the main antagonist is no longer the rats or the plague and you can just kind of walk through them and actually use them to kill your enemies. Mm. But uh, the main antagonist then becomes the... uh, not the Pope, but the leader of the Spanish Inquisition,
0: I think that's a fair target, yeah, nobody expects the uh, Spanish he, Inquisition, but nobody expects a small girl psychically controlling a huge thing of rats either. so
1: small boy the the girl small was uh, the older sister who you used a sling. actually, I, I gotta say. Mm-hmm. More games need to use a sling as a weapon because it is really satisfying.
0: Oh, do you have to time it right? Like you got to whip it around and then time the release, or
1: you don't gotta you don't gotta time it, but just the aspect of the wind up and uh, stuff like that. I think it's more satisfying than the bow because you got like the whole twirl animation rather than just a drawback state.
0: Hmm. I do wonder when you were using a sling in real life back then in, in combat. I wonder if um, they actually took the time to swirl it around their head like you see people doing these days so in it, movies.
1: In this game, she didn't twirl it around her head ever. It was always just like off to the side and depending on how much you upgraded it, because that's how they controlled the e- efficacy of it, you could do, you started off with like, you need to do three circles of it to get it to fire accurately. But towards the end, you could just do like one twirl and sling.
0: See, because I would have assumed, and this is just my thoughts on it, that when they actually were using slings in combat, which I don't think happened very much, that it'd be more like a trebuchet. Like spinning it around its own circumference wouldn't be as effective as just making your arm as straight as possible, throwing it like you're throwing a baseball, but with a sling on the end of it and just like, you know, like you you release towards the top, like you would with a trebuchet,
1: right? You don't need to do it multiple times, but you get better, more consistent speed with, um, doing the twirling than you would just flinging it because you, you get up to the max speed and then you're always at that max speed. Whereas if you're just basically hucking the stone from a extended point, uh, you got a whole lot of variances there that could mess with it.
0: Well, but you're not always going to be at max speed. If you're trying to think of it this way, if you're trying to keep the sling going in a circle, right, then you're going to have to keep your hand kind of in the middle of that circle, logically speaking, or at least going around the axis at the center of the circle a little bit because you got to move your hand a bit to keep the sling rotating in a circle, Um, so the biggest circumference you're going to have on that is just the length of the sling itself. Whereas if you just take the sling and wind it back and then go over the top with your arm fully extended, you're going to extend the circumference of the circle by two or three times. Um, and generally speaking, when you're talking about a whip sort of weapon, like a sling, it feels to me like, the bigger circumference of the circle is way more important, and it probably would introduce a little bit more variance, but I think that the power gain would be so significant that you'd probably want to do it that way. This feels like we should
1: Except you, test this. You wouldn't get that much of a power gain from it, I think, uh, because most of the speed that you're getting from that probably comes from... Uh, what's the name of the, of the thing where... Ice skaters put their arms out. they slow down, fold them in, they speed up. So what you want is the speed. You don't want a big lever. You want speed.
0: Well, yeah, I can see what you're saying, but what you're talking about has less to do with speed and more to do with angular velocity. At right, that point.
1: but as you reduce the length of the arm, the angular velocity increases. Right, so but if, if ideally you, you,
0: pull, you would start
1: with the big arc and then you'd want to make it as small as possible right before you fire.
0: See, but if, if all of this were true, then why would you bother making a trebuchet when you could just flip a sling in a small circle and then release it and that would go faster?
1: Because a trebuchet can handle much, much more much larger masses, and it's mass times velocity squared. Mass is important.
0: I don't think that relates to what I just said. <laughs> I see what you're saying, that like a trebuchet can throw a lot more weight, but if the sling on the end of a trebuchet can hold that much weight, um, and clearly is able to because that otherwise it wouldn't be able to pick the stone up or whatever it's throwing, um, if it can hold it when you're putting it on the end of a trebuchet, then that same sling could just be put onto a spin wheel of some sort, and you could just sit there with a series of gears and spin out, spin around the sling. Or maybe people just didn't figure this out. I don't know. It just—I
1: think that it comes down to how finicky you want it. Because you got to remember, these are machines of war. They're designed to keep going through the worst of it. And the more complex right. you make it, the less it takes to break it.
0: I suppose I'm just thinking in terms of like. Pitching mechanics because I tend to bring things like this back to baseball and with baseball you're trying to keep the biggest circumference you can on your arm simply because
1: if that's how it works then why doesn't baseball use an atlatl they should
0: (laughs) it's against the rules is why (laughs) you can throw a lot harder when you do that um as they've shown with that what How'd you say that? I can never remember how to pronounce that word.
1: I said addle I don't know if that's the right term.
0: That's the thing that you can wear on the end of your hand, right? And you get the ball in it. You can throw it with the the long, sloopy
1: thing. Whatever it's whatever it's called, atle, atle. Um, you, So addle is a spear thrower. Basically, it oh, is a stick else. with a notch on the end of it, and then you like nestle the spear or arrow or whatever into the notch like it was a crossbow and then use that as like a third joint on your
0: arm Mm. yeah that would be very helpful and baseball players would throw with those things if it wasn't like completely against the rules um wow really early also good morning (laughs) hey sir we had somebody show up Uh, we're recording the podcast feel free to make comments and i might include them in the podcast so, let's see. I'm trying to find the thing that I was even thinking about. Um, gosh, it's like a scoop that you put. It's a sport that is very popular in India, and I am just losing my mind trying to remember what it's called. I don't know that necessarily I swear, proves my point. if you say lacrosse. It's not lacrosse. No. It's literally a scoop. Anyway, the, the reason why you don't see baseball players throwing the ball with a scoop is it's against the rules. If you could throw the ball with a scoop, you would, because you could probably throw it about 150 miles an hour. Because, but it, again, it depends on... Because the mass thing does end up being very important, like you were talking about. If the thing is... Um, you're trying to find, like, that balance between enough mass that it kind of justifies needing more torque, and then you kind of want the longer arm, and... I don't know. How did we get off onto this anyway? I, I feel like I've stepped way out of my depth, and... You you were trying to sit there and overanalyze sling movement? That sounds like me. Okay, good, good, yeah, okay. I recognize that. I think the real thing I was saying is we should just test it at some point here. I should go out and just get a sling and see which one lets me throw harder. Spinning it around yeah. in a small circle and releasing it, or really just kind of going ham, just uh, throwing it in one movement like I'm a pitcher. In the end, it's probably going to be some combo of the two. You'd think, right? And I, I will say, in uh, I think
1: you you're overestimating because, like, when you're doing pitching and even when you're using the um, scoop or the adaladle that type of stuff, it's all coming from your body and your arm movement. Whereas, mm-hmm. from what I saw of how they presented the sling, it has very little to do with your posture and your own muscle going into it. It's not using your frame for anything, so it allows it to be a much lighter weapon Well, but that, than it otherwise would be.
0: That wouldn't make sense, because by that logic, a 5-year-old and a 20-year-old could use it to the same amount of efficiency. I don't think that's how that works.
1: Barring, uh, barring motor control, yeah.
0: I, I, I have a huge doubt on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you look, when you go back to the trebuchet, which is the example I was using before, I feel like... The trebuchet is not a sling. It is a sling. Literally, there's a sling on the end of it. That is what a trebuchet is. You no,
1: your- it's not the same mechanic. So the sling that they had in the game was two threads and then a leather patch in the middle. And when you release it, you're letting go of one of the threads and that allows the rock to fly.
0: Which is how a, a trebuchet, trebuchet works. It- that is actually how a trebuchet doesn't works. doesn't do
1: that. It does let go. No, Yeah.
0: We'll prove this somehow. Watch, I'll go watch it on YouTube <laughs> and I'll be totally wrong.
1: I have not seen trebuchets presented that way. It's usually just like a bucket of or a net that is acting as a bucket that then releases it once it gets to a certain arc in the...
0: Yeah, the modern flex. modern trebuchets, you just have a thing that like... You have a like a linchpin that you let go of. How to build a trebuchet on Mythbusters. I'm just looking at videos... Yeah, those. a lot of these ones, um, it has a release on it where one side is let go of. But it just depends on how you want to go about doing things. I'm just kind of looking through these. I don't have time to watch this video while I'm trying to do a podcast. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Surdane agrees with you, by the way. Serdane says that some trebuchets have a pouch as their container, but neither of the straps are released. But I'm, of literally, the released. I'm literally sitting here looking at trebuchets on YouTube where one of the straps is being released. So. No,
1: no. Uh, picture it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look it up later. Anyway, I feel like um, the, the, the only rule. Ro- I, I honestly think that as long as you can continue to add angular momentum to the sling. Yeah. You don't need nearly the muscle mass but, as like a bow. But the point and was, that's the advantage the, of the sling.
0: The point I was trying to get to is that I think they actually combine both concepts because you're not it's not like just throwing a pitch, right? Like that's one circle, but I think that when you watch how a trebuchet operates or how ideally in my mind a sling would operate, though again, like apparently I need to test yeah. this because I have I have
1: a lot of I have a lot of questions now. <laughs> I I don't think you can operate the sling like you're hoping you can, mostly because the strings are not a firm lever.
0: I 100% think that I can. Here's here's the reason why, okay? Let me explain what I'm thinking, which is I feel like the optimal way to use a sling, and this is something I would have to prove because I can say this all I want, but is you'd want to have the thing spinning a little bit at first, and then you'd want to get your arm back with the sling spinning and rotate your arm over the top while also um, whipping the uh, the sling over the top. And that way you've got the big circle of your arm combined with that small fast circle that you were talking about from the sling. And then, uh, and Sardane's saying that, yes, yeah, some of the trebuchets do have a release strap. So, okay, good. We've got a researcher now. Sardane's going to be a researcher. didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you do big circle of the arm plus the small circle of the sling and you release at the right time, that's going to give you maximum speed at that point. The
1: problem with that is that you have to move your arm at a high enough velocity that you're keeping the string taut throughout the entire process. I don't
0: think that'd be hard. I really don't. Like, I think that you'd <laughs> want to you'd want to mimic the sling. motion of a trebuchet.
1: We're gonna to have to prove the, it. The arc, the arc
0: <laughs> on the sling goes so fast. We just need a longer. You just need a longer strap, I think, so that the rotation is still. You'd want to have the same.
1: The, uh, the strap speed. is limited by your height, basically, because you, you don't want it hitting the ground.
0: This is true. This is true. This is getting really complex. Um, but it's I almost fe- like physics. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you have some very good points, though. I think you have some really good points about, especially if you're rotating the sling at first, it's going to give you a more stable plane. So that should make accuracy higher, I'd assume. Um, I do feel like a sling might be a little easier to operate than a bow. and might be less reliant on strength. Um, Instead, it would be reliant on maximum whip between your arm and the sling. But I also think that, like, for shorter distances, you might not even need to do that. Um, I'm suddenly really curious and want to go buy a sling and see how this all shakes out. I'm sure I could find a YouTube video that shows all of this, but... I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know. So, so
1: I, I think a sling would be a very fun thing to have, especially since if you're going on a hike or something, the weight of a sling that you're bringing with you is absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You put some stones in it, you knock down Goliath. It's a good day at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. Really, that's I all mean, that was. It's like people, people took it as point, a... Oh, good, good.
1: They, they found at one point that there were sling stones that they would have drilled holes in them so that they whistled as they went through the air as psychological warfare.
0: Huh. It's like a Yunker in World War Two. Yeah. Which had the same sort of thing. But they found out that like, this is actually a bit of research they did about the Yunker, is like at first it would really freak people out when they'd hear that sound but eventually what ended up happening is when you heard that sound you knew that a strafe run was coming so as soon as you heard that siren which they had a siren that was mounted on the uh, right where the fuselage met the wing. And as soon as that siren would start to sound, people would be like, oh, there's a plane coming to shoot us. We should probably run for cover. So (laughs) it actually ended up being a problem because you now knew there was a thing. You might not know exactly where it was coming from, but you knew you probably should move in some capacity because if they lined up aiming at you on the ground in one way – well, move somewhere else and make their life a little bit harder, right? I feel like a sling would be the same thing. If I heard if I heard that whistling sound, I'd duck immediately. Like, I'd I'd get on the ground yeah. to get away.
1: I mean, you don't have to use the whistle stones. It was just an option.
0: I think I think it would be... Uh, oh, it looks like... Okay, our, our researcher, Sardane, that we have now, uh, put a comment in, and I, I want to see what he says here. I found one video for you, Cedric, but the release is really hard to see on the video because the camera's pretty far away. Uh, where do you want it? It's not good enough for you. I can keep looking. I don't know where
1: we'd want that. Um, yeah, I mean, you can throw it in the general section, or maybe you should make a podcast channel.
0: Maybe the, I should. Discord. That would make some sense. Let me, yeah, let me do that real quick.
1: I, I'm not too worried about it too much. I'm mostly basing what I'm talking about off of the probably about ten hours of animation that i saw yeah and that's the thing the... is
0: like we're, we're sitting here breaking down how one of these things might work and the reality is that plague tale is set in a fictional universe and it really just doesn't matter as long as it's yeah. plausible looking it's not really that big of a deal and i this,
1: mean she breaks iron chains by twirling a sling around it that's super realistic yeah
0: <laughs> She controls rats with her mind, or he controls rats with his mind. It's super plausible. Come She on, controls people.
1: rats with her mind as long as he's holding his hand. Oh, I see. Because that's how psychic powers work.
0: Yeah, I've I've done a lot of research into psychic powers, and that's definitely how that happens. Let's see. <laughs> Podcast stuff. So we're going to go ahead and create a channel called Podcast Stuff. That, okay, so Serdain, there is a channel called Podcast Stuff. If you want to go drop that link in there, we may review it later. We'll have to see how far we take these things. Good job being our researcher, Sardane. We appreciate that. You will be recognized on the podcast, because we'll be saying Sardane a lot, like I just did. Anyway, originally we were talking about this game. <laughs> this game. This game. Um, was it? Did you like the game? Again. I feel like that's the real question, is did you like the game?
1: Um, I have problems with the game. Overall, I'd give the game probably a... Uh, 3.8 out of 5. You know, it, it's a good game. Um, <laughs> they angled it as a stealth game, and that's where it really starts to fall apart, mostly because there's not a whole lot of communication of mm. where the failure states are. And it's very natural in that respect, but there are a lot of times where coming off of games like Dark Souls and stuff where the timings are very tight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It would hit the dodge button whenever I saw them start the swing. But according to the game's logic, if they've started the swing, you're already dead.
0: Mm, that's not very good.
1: Yeah. So there, there's a lot of times where... I just kept dying over and over again because there there is no health bar in the game. If you get caught, you're dead. Oh, really? Um,
0: Hardcore parkour right there.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be more of a stealth puzzle game than it is an action game. Um, and I don't fault it for that, but the implementation was kind of jank. Mm. Um, and projectiles were just as bad because once they're in the air, they've decided if they've hit you or not. Okay. And there's not a whole lot of indication of that. Hmm. Uh, there's There were also a bunch of times where it's like I'm standing four feet away from rats. And usually that's fine. But sometimes they just go for you anyways. And there's not much you can do about it. So not very good communicated.
0: Pardon me, they're not communicating the cone of vision very well, I think is what that comes down to. The cone of senses or... I don't know. I watched that video. It's not
1: necessarily the senses um, because they do communicate when someone's looking at you and stuff, but it's mostly communicating how the enemy actions actually affect the player Um, Mm. and more not so much like I don't know what's going to happen if someone attacks me with the sword. It's I don't know what the timing on it is because I have to react before they start the action.
0: Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that would make it really.
1: It doesn't help that for whatever reason, my computer was not happy to keep that game at a steady frame rate. Meaning, <laughs> yeah, <Is laughs> there, really there very... were a lot of times where I just was dying because I was getting frame skips. Is it that intensive a game, or is it just? <laughs> I think my computer's having a lot of problems lately. Oh, for such because it's also a fairly old game.
0: Hmm. Well, that's not great. Hopefully your computer is able to get healthy again.
1: That's not usually how computers work.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's been my experience too. So to summarize this game, um, is it's okay. 3.5 out of 5. We should, we should yeah. come up with like a unit of measure, we should, like biscuits. We should go out of 6, you know, out of 6. I think that's better. <laughs>
1: But, like, all my components, are How many are is it out of mechanical. six? The, I need to know. The, <laughs> anyway. The, uh, the story was great. Um, theming, I think, was great. I honestly was having a, a lot of difficulty with the game because there's a lot of times where it feels like you can get through an area without taking down any guards or anything. And between... Games that really heavily lean on the morality systems Mm. in them. Um, Particularly, I'm thinking like Dishonored. You get different endings depending on how many guards you've killed and how many other actions you've taken that create more chaos in the world. Um, And with it being such a similar setting of plague ridden with rats coming up everywhere. um, It really made me stop and question a lot of whether or not I'm going to wind up being judged for the actions I've taken when I think I have not looked up whether or not there's alternate endings, because honestly, I don't want to know. (laughs) Um, I think the entire point of the story, hence A Plague Tale Innocence, is kind of just all of the characters involved slowly losing their innocence as they're forced to commit more and more atrocities just to stay alive. I mean, at one point, you literally this is wind a thing up leading leading a pig into a, an area with rats with feed, and then you lock it in there and lure the rats over to it to kill it so that you can get through an area. So That's just,
0: that's just gross. It's interesting, these survival yeah. <laughs> horror games seem to be really leaning into what kind of monster are you sorts of mechanics these days, and it's like... I'm just playing a game, dude. I'm just doing what the game needs that me to do. this one
1: really leans into what kind of monster are you, though, because they, they never turn around and look at it again and go, you're horrible for doing this. I yeah, mean but they-
0: contextually, it's like you're still doing things that you think are gross or weird. Like, they don't have to... Because I yeah. should point out that I've, I've never played Undertale. I've just heard you complain about it a lot, but... The idea that you need to rub in somebody's face that they've done something that's morally wrong sounds extremely condescending. Um, like you're being scolded at church or something. But like it
1: doesn't rub it in your face. They just bring up the situation and they more acknowledge that, like, no, you did it to live. Like, there was no choice.
0: But it still feels like... I don't know. Like, I don't need to be told things like that, I feel. Like, I feel like it. it starts to feel like the developer had a message they wanted to plant into your mind at that point when they start, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of weak writing. It's just my opinion. (laughs) I feel like the players should be able to think to themselves, oh, wow, I just had to do something kind of gross. Hmm. You know, without somebody being like, hey, guess what? You did something gross. It's like, well, I I know I was there.
1: That's kind of what it comes down to, though, is like, they'd never respond to it as the player chose to do this thing. It was always the characters in the world chose to do it. They're reacting to it and stuff like that. Cause they mm-hmm. are all ostensibly children yeah. having to deal with this.
0: Um, Sardane points out it's uh, yeah yeah, show the results of your actions and don't state them out loud. I think I would, that's kind of what I'm getting at, but your point.
1: Keep is going, that uh, a flag table doesn't really fall into the morality trap oh, as I far see. as I can tell.
0: Yeah, I, f- I feel like that's good then. So it sounds like Plague Tale at least does that bit well, at least in my opinion. By the way, Serdane also says we should, yeah. we should have our unit of measure be orphans. So 3.5 orphans out of 5. I don't know who the half-orphan is, but I don't even want to know how to quantify that. That seems kind of gross. It goes with the Plague Tale, though. Anyway, we actually need yeah. to take a really quick break because I need to use the restroom. So we're going to take 5 minutes... And we'll see if this gets cut out of the final podcast. My guess is probably so, but, uh, we'll be back in just a second, CJ. So, and then we'll talk about what I've been playing. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. Be back in a second. Okay. I'm back at least. Oof. Oh, sorry about that. CJ. I don't know if you're even there. i have just taken that five minutes. and he'll be back so hmm I'm trying to think of how to deal with comments when doing a podcast because I feel like if I try to read the comments all the time I'm going to drive myself nuts trying to have a conversation and read comments so I feel like I need to find breaking points and then read the comments is just my opinion I don't quite know how to go about that. So, I'll figure it out. We're figuring out all the things today. We will get there. Skim them and don't read them out loud and use them if they are only say something in if they only say something silly like Wubba lubba dub dub. I'll <laughs> we'll get right on that. Uh <laughs> wabba dub dub. What are we doing? I'm making sure Serdane can read. He says it's easy for him to read. He's He's got a fifth grade reading level at least. Now I was just asking if like the... I have a a thing I typed up. I th- have you seen this? I'm sure you've seen this. I'm just trying to make sure yep. that it's like nice and big. And I included a quick note about context. Just so that people know like I may not see it until long after they say it. So make sure that you include context. Unless you're going to say wubba lubba dub dub like Sardane did. Because... Yeah. (laughs) That needs no context. You know what I mean? Uh, How was your break? Short. Mine too. (laughs) So I'm going to just go use the restroom and then come back really fast. Okay, so we made fun of your game. And I think now we need to talk about the game I've been playing though. To me, it feels like I should be talking about like all the games I've been playing because they kind of relate because I've been playing a bunch of games that are very similar just to try to figure out which one's the ultimate winner in my mind. Um,
1: no man's sky, right?
0: (laughs) No, no, though. I feel like I should go back and play it again just to get a little bit more context. Um, But I think the ones I can comment on right now would be uh, Everspace 2, though I can't say a lot about Everspace 2, Elite Dangerous, and um, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, which was the one I was playing last night on stream for anybody who happened to be here. So yeah. Those are games. (laughs) Some details. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you thought it was Monster Hunter World huh, yesterday? No, it wasn't Monster Hunter World. Every game's is Monster Hunter World, or at this point, Warframe. Either one of those. I, every game I play is one of those two. So yeah, uh, it's been an interesting week. I think the reason why it's hard to talk about is just because my brain feels like it's still trying to process what the ever-loving hell is going on.
1: And a, I can always go back and ramble about Plague tales some more.
0: Nah, we've heard enough about trebuchets and slings. And is that what that conversation was about? There was a game too, wasn't there? But now, um, plus we both can ramble a little bit about Elite Dangerous and its yeah. myriad of problems and things that I think are awesome at least. Uh, and I played Rebel Galaxy. It's interesting. I, I so for anybody who doesn't isn't familiar with these games, go and play them right now. Stop the podcast and go play both of them and then, and then come back, but don't play the Odyssey expansion on Elite Dangerous because I haven't played it yet and it doesn't matter to the conversation. Now this, but this all sprung out of a conversation that we had, you and I had earlier in the week where I was like, why aren't there any other games that are like No Man's Sky? And you're like, there's a bunch of games that are like No Man's Sky, you twit. Uh, and then you proceeded to list a bunch that were relatively similar to varying degrees, several of which uh, definitely caught my eye and a couple of which I have actually tried at this point. So, uh, for people who have not played No Man's Sky, try not to think about the disappointment that was the original release of No Man's Sky and understand that now it's a space exploration game with a lot of very pretty graphics um, where you basically, to me, the major mechanic of No Man's Sky is still base building and crafting. Like, that's the big thing. People want to believe it's about exploration, but the planets are all so... I don't know. Everything feels kind of the same, uh, no matter what world you go to, still, to me. so. But some people are starting to enjoy it more because the, the auto-gen is getting more complex and you're starting to see more interesting things, so more of an argument can be made, obviously, for it being an exploration game, but it still feels like the mechanics are more shaded towards being a builder in a crafting game. Um,
1: I think that... And a lot of people really uh, like it, to, just not me. Go ahead. Not to... Uh, back into this old conversation again. Oh no, we might as well. (laughs) The auto-generation on No Man's Sky is always going to feel lacklustered until they start enabling it to do second and third passes because you don't get the kind of environmental storytelling by auto-generating once. You're, yeah. You need to have events happen to create the stories. And currently it's just, is there a random ruin here? Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: That's pretty much it. To me, the biggest problem I have with No Man's Sky is it is too, this is going to sound strange, but it's, pardon me, there's a lot of, I always, I I catch myself saying things like, my biggest problem, now there's, there's a list of biggest problems, so don't take this as the biggest problem that there is. One of the things that bugs me is the density of things. And I think this goes back to why I say I feel like it's more of a building game than anything else, because everywhere that you go, most of the resources that you need are within line of sight. Um, there's there's really not a need to explore to build. Like everything's just kinda right next to you, and everything's kinda spread out evenly. Like no matter where you land on a planet, there's gonna be some stone nearby for ferret for ferrite. Um, and there's there's a few other resources that are like always just somewhere nearby. Carbon's always nearby because there's always trees. There's never deserts or anything like that. Everything's just kind of hilly and now they've changed the auto generator. So it's kind of hilly and then it's more hilly sometimes. Um, but everywhere you go, the resources are fundamentally the same. So you don't get this feeling like, oh, hey, I, I am really lucky to have found something because you knew it was going to be there. Like, there's not a lot of... Oh, geez, wow. Like, in real life, which isn't necessarily what you need to model for a game, but in real life, you're really lucky when you find a vein of copper. And then you spend millions upon tens of millions, possibly billions of dollars, developing a mine around that site because you found copper. And that's just not how the game works. The game is like, there's just... Literally, resources sitting all over the ground, sometimes in giant clumps that you can very easily see because that's how that works. Um,
1: you can very easily see all of the resources, but to collect them in any significant quantity is not really feasible as far as yeah. I'm concerned.
0: No, I, I agree. Like, you're and not you- going to run into a giant vein of copper that you can then build a mine on top of and get ore out of for the next several days of gameplay. Like, that's not a thing,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, And uh, it, it turns into a, a situation where I, and I think this is where I'm starting to appreciate Minecraft a bit more in that the amount of resources I need to take my next building step in Minecraft mm. is one block. I need one block to, to place one block. Mm. I need to destroy probably eight full-grown trees if I want to build one thing in no man's sky (laughs) that's how that works
0: (laughs) (laughs) you ever had a you ever had you ever had a have you ever had a coffee at starbucks and they have got those little paper cups right that was four trees for that I'll tell you something it's ridiculous no wonder we we don't have any forests anymore
1: on this planet (laughs) yeah And, and yeah I don't know we've both kind of come to the conclusion that no man's sky tries to do everything and doesn't really succeed at anything
0: yeah the only thing i will say i
1: do personally prefer no man's sky's flight controls and um jumping more than i do not physical jumping but like
0: jumps between systems
1: yeah faster than light travel i prefer no man's sky's version more than Elite Dangerous. They're very oh, similar. They're, they're it's d- just that see, the, Elite me, Dangerous the, is a bit more finicky. To me,
0: the jumping between systems is essentially the same, except for, with Elite Dangerous, you go refuel at a station, and then you just jump to the next system. Whereas okay. in No Man's Sky, you go find a bunch of rocks and turn them into something else, which you turn into something else, which then you can use to jump to the next system. Which is the It's, it's one of the game loops that No Man's Sky has. I'm not really trying to complain and say that that's wrong because that's what they were going for but it is definitely different in that way um and I I think you and I are probably just going to disagree on the controls I like Elite Dangerous is because they once you learn them they give you more latitude for movement I feel um but No Man's Skies are definitely more accessible and actually the No Man's Skies controls remind me a lot of Rebel Galaxy Outlaws controls Mm. And I've liked those just fine, so I can't really complain about No Man's Sky's controls. The only thing that really bugs me about No Man's Sky isn't really the controls per se, though I, I kind of would prefer... I mean, it feels like No Man's Sky was trying to be more semi originally, and I guess maybe if I look at it as an arcade, or it might be a little bit easier to, to to digest. But I didn't like how limited the controls felt to me. Um, in the aircraft, but the biggest problem I have is I have a really hard time figuring out a a schema that works really well on the ground and then works really well when I'm flying because when I'm on the ground, I want to use a mouse and keyboard because I honestly do not like... Not that I never use controllers for first-person shooters because every now and then I go all heathen and do that, but um, I don't like how No Man's Sky implemented their character control for a controller, and so... I want to use mouse and keyboard. But then when I get into space, I really don't want to use mouse and keyboard because a ship should be flown with a stick. Gosh darn it. So that <laughs> that's caused me some issues because I've, I've had play sessions where I'll literally use the mouse and keyboard when I'm on the ground and then I'll pick up the controller when I get into the ship and just go back and forth, which to me yeah. is quite annoying. Um, but that's not even my biggest complaint with No Man's Sky. My biggest complaint is just that Everywhere you go feels very similar. There's there's not really trade-offs like I would like. Um, I feel like it should be harder to get a hold of different resources and things like... It, it shouldn't be that... It seems like everywhere you land, you've got all the basic resources at least, and... I don't know. I feel like if things were more spread out, like if you had to use your ship more or at least your vehicles more to get around to find different resources, I think that'd be better. But to be fair, it was kind of like that when they first released the game and everybody complained, so they changed it. I don't know if you can really pin that one on Hello Games. Uh, things used to be more spaced out. And now it's just like, well, you've got resources all around you. There are some special resources that you've got to find the right planet for. But when you get to that planet, Even it's not then, like you yeah, need to... It-
1: God. You can look at the planet from space and know yeah. what special resources there are.
0: And in a lot of um, ways, like that would be okay with me if once you got onto the ground, you still had to search for stuff, but you don't. It's usually just right wherever you first set down. And the, the lack of multiple biomes also bugs me. And da, da, da.
1: I, I think that people were complaining about there not being enough resources in their proximity because of how janky the player movement and the resource drain is because when you're on a planet in no man's sky if there's any sort of weather whatsoever Mm -hmm. the life support system drains really quickly yeah uh compared to what you can do and their solution to that was to make things more accessible and to make life support easier to refill when I think that honestly the Mm. approach that might have been better off you know extending the duration of base life support yeah because if I'm on a planet and I'm traversing unknown areas I don't want to have a one minute timer on what I can do (laughs) which it honestly feels like at the start of the game it should probably be base 15 minutes with um Upwards of a, an hour or two real time that yeah. I can spend in harsh weather if I'm actually planning on exploring something.
0: I mean if you have the technology to do light jumps between systems, faster than light speed jumps between systems, you'd think you'd have the technology to be able to be planet side in a harsh environment for more than a couple hours. Another another personal pet peeve is that there are way too many planets that have life on them. Um, but that's, that's definitely a personal peeve. I'm sure there are a lot of folks who would hear me say that and be like, but we like there to be planets with life on them. And that's fair. Like, that's a personal thing. Um, yeah. But as far as I'm aware, like, finding a planet with life on it is incredibly rare in real life. I mean, even when you look at games like uh, Elite Dangerous, which you can run into a bunch of inhabited worlds, that's technically also unrealistic. But I think the stuff in Elite Dangerous, though, is all terraformed. So maybe it's less unrealistic? I don't know. I don't know. Ah, No Man's Sky. But I think that probably these days, what bugs me the most about No Man's Sky is it never feels like they go back and fix the core stuff. They just kind of bolt more things on. Yeah. And as a result, nothing tends to feel super well thought out. And sometimes you feel like some game systems are fighting against other game systems. Um... I've mentioned before how the, the, my desire is to explore and, and when you're, when you want to explore, when you're a big explorer, you want to find things that are super unique that you're not going to see anywhere else, like just a one-off, you know, and even, even if it's not anything that amazing, you still want to feel special when you find something, you know, you don't want there to be resources sitting everywhere because you want to feel good when you actually manage to find a resource and Hey, now I don't have to buy more from the station. I can actually just mine this stuff myself. That's awesome. I think that those moments are completely missing from no mans Sky. And the reason for that is because it's more trying to be a builder than an exploration game, but it still has a bunch of stuff that kind of points towards exploration at the same time. Well, so even like those in are in the contradictions.
1: context of a builder. It doesn't really give you that sense of special things because, Most of the really unique stuff that you can find, you can't do anything with them. It's just sold to a station for credits.
0: See, and that's because the game's trying to also be an economic simulator. It's like
1: you can't (laughs) can't
0: decide what it wants to be, and as a result, there are mechanics that have been designed. And I'm sure that these mechanics could have all been, you know, very carefully dovetailed together and smoothed over, and it could have been amazing, but the fact of the matter is, is that Hello Games doesn't have... 500 people so that you can have several teams devoted to several systems and then have a super committee that helps all those different systems work together and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Like it's a lot of work to make that many different systems actually work together. Um, And hello games doesn't have the infrastructure for that. I really genuinely wish they'd just picked a thing and gone with it. And I don't necessarily care what it is. At least you're not because if you just decide, Hey, this is just going to be a space builder game. We're not really going to worry about exploration. It's just, it's Space Builder. We're not going to worry about the economy simulator. It's just, you're, you're building things in space. It's what most people seem to enjoy in the game when I go to the subreddit. So just go with that. And at that point, you can cut out all the nonsense. And they just haven't haven't done that. So it, it feels like it, everything seems to contradict. All the systems seem to fight each other endlessly in that game. Yeah. Now that being said, and I need to be clear to anybody listening to this, I have not played the game for about a year. So, maybe a little bit more. So, if they fixed it in the last year, my sincerest apologies. And also, I feel like it is required to say, because this is, it's it's a true fact, like, Hello Games really brought the game back from the dead, because it was terrible on launch, and they have turned it into a pretty decent game for a lot of people. It's not my cup of tea, but, you know, Hello Games deserves a pat on the back for all the work they have put into the game. Um... And trying to, not just giving up on it, but trying to make it be at least somewhat close to the original vision that they gave folks. So, yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) I I think they've, they've done a lot to actually expand out the content and things. I think that they still need to revise the core balance of the game, though. Yeah. Not just in, like, resource gathering, but if they want there to be gun combat, it needs to be revamped. Heavily, and <laughs> is, is some of that are probably just be on the animations. <laughs> but well, real quick, the let's, guns are real weird, and before, they before put we, in an entire dungeon yeah, mechanic. In it's the game. true, and
0: I want to I want to talk about that as well because there's some special problems with guns. But really quickly, I want to grab the comments. Um, <laughs> so Sardain is like, if there's not planets with life everywhere, will I, where will I get my alien tendies? And that's a good point uh mcdonald's does exist in the universe and they do make uh chicken tendies out of aliens so um he also says i won't like warframe because if i don't like games that don't fix the stuff and only bolt more on i won't like warframe so, but warframe cj is gonna cj is gonna argue with, and
1: fixes the main content okay. every 10 patches or or so which means every two years that's not, it's that's not, not a great, cadence. but it's better than No Man's Sky.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that comment there. And then if Maxis would have gone back and expanded Spore, yeah, that would have been cool. It's not completely related to what we're talking about, but that is also an interesting thing to think about. Um, I'm sure Sardane's about to be like, no, this is how it relates. Let's talk about guns. So combat in No Man's Sky. <laughs> Friggin' Sentinels is the first thing I think about when I think of combat. I just want to be able to mine a friggin' rock. Like, leave me alone. People And people use the lore excuse here, and it drives me nuts. People are like, oh no, but see, if you, if you beat the game, or if you get far enough in the game, you have to understand, like, with the lore, that's why the sentinels are everywhere. To which my response is, as I've also heard on Folding Ideas several times, is you made the lore as the game creator, and you can change it. Like, a lot of people will use, well, that's the lore to explain why characters are allowed to be super sexist or racist or things like that. And the reality is, the lore, it's not like you're reading a history book and you're just talking about people who existed in a different time and actually were there and actually had their own things they had to contend with. You made this world up. And for some reason, you made up a world where whenever I try to go and friggin' get some carbon out of a friggin' tree, there's a friggin' sentinel in my face shining blue lights at me and telling me that if I keep shooting the tree to collect resources, we're gonna have a fight. And then you have to get into No Man's Sky's janky combat system as a result of this. So, oh, man. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know why that. I think that if you went back into the game now, you'd have less of a problem with that just because they've toned down Sentinels. Just quite get a rid bit. of them.
0: It's like somebody being like, Well, I've, I've, you know, I know I've beaten you every day this week, but I'm going to reduce it to just beating you once a week. It's like, No, stop doing that. That's probably a terrible example. I apologize to anybody who's actually had to deal with that in real life. You know, I always catch myself right after I say the dumb thing. But the reality is that they're just not a good mechanic. I just, I don't like them at all. The only thing they could really do to fix them is to restrict sentinels to important sentinel locations like their little bases that they have sure have sentinels in their sentinel bases but why do they have a sentinel I think everywhere i go
1: you could probably get away with having sentinels relatively everywhere like you don't want them at the density that you're remembering but mm. about half as often as that it, they would be a interesting mechanic if they didn't spawn potentially infinite waves of enemies like yes. the base there is one combat encounter in that game when you fight a sentinel and it just repeats every time and yeah. i know that there's technically ways to shut it off but
0: apparently if you do it long enough and you blow up the final boss of the, of that world you'll stop having sentinels sent after you in that world or something
1: but it, it takes too long to do that you can't do that as an entry yep. level player you need to spec towards combat which is the least satisfying thing to do in that game i feel
0: i feel like the sentinels should just be like i don't even mind if they're as uh if they're as dense as they currently are as long as they don't bug you like i would think it would actually be kind of interesting story-wise if you always had a sentinel somewhere around But whenever they saw you doing something, they just kind of maybe pause for a second and then look at you. Like, oh, huh, well, there's another thing that's happening in this world that I'm watching. And then just move on with their day, you know? And then it could even turn into this mechanic where if you do something and the Sentinel suddenly is actually more interested, like comes over and is like, hey, what are you doing? Maybe you know that you're closer to, and there's nothing like this in the game, but maybe at that point you'd know you're closer to something, right? Like, wouldn't that make more sense than just they always react the same way like
1: yeah i I don't know i don't know and i think that's kind of what the sentinels are missing they're too one note
0: yeah and it's not death note it's just one note
1: (laughs) And, and outside of one building structure i think you're always first going to encounter the basic sentinel the Mm -hmm. little hovering dude and then you get the robot dog and then you get a mix and then you get the giant walker and like i can play that combat encounter in my head and it's already not fun um (laughs) i don't need to do it every time i need to go mining yeah
0: every new planet you go on to it's like i think it's every time you land even i think if you leave the planet and come back it resets it I don't remember. And they may have changed that. I know there are supposed to be worlds now that don't have Sentinels at all, but I don't know. I don't think that fixes it. I really don't. So anyway, we weren't necessarily going to just rant and rave about No Man's Sky. I was going to talk about the games that I've been playing recently, and I think this is a good jumping-off point for Elite Dangerous, because one of the things that I appreciate about Elite Dangerous, at least, is it's not trying to be everything. Not yet, anyway. (laughs) Odyssey makes me wonder. But, um... It's not trying to be all the things. I
1: Odyssey was in development specifically because No Man's Sky got a lot of press.
0: I don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, I was looking at some of the videos of what... To be honest, it reminds me more of what you get in X4, which is another spaceship trading commodity game. Um, In X4, they added an ability to walk around in the bases so you could talk to people and just kind of see them. And it just made it more... Alive, And then they did add planetside combat, but it's nothing like what you see in No Man's Sky. You do have some missions that now you can explore things on foot a little bit, but they didn't really add, like, whole bunches of vegetation, or they didn't add a building aspect. Oh, I hope they don't add base building. If they add base building, that's going to be a bit of a red flag for me. So I think trying to get base building to work with exploration is really hard. I think they should work more on ship customization because you can explore with your ship. You can't so much explore with a base. Uh, it's just not how that really works. But um, they added in or a at little. least pull like good.
1: Pull like the difference that No Man's Sky did. That was actually kind of a, a good mechanic. If only it didn't take forever to get to mm. the the freighters. You could build yeah. a base that you could take with you.
0: They actually uh, have that. They're called fleet carriers. And they're quite expensive, but you can actually get all of the services um, that you might get in a regular spaceport on a fleet carrier. Now, that said, I think I might have missed what you were saying because with with one of those ships in No Man's Sky... You can build a base inside of it by setting all the walls up and things like that. You can't do that with a fleet carrier, um, but that would be cool. Right. I would really enjoy if you could kind of just set up the internal space. That'd be super, super effing often. Though I, awesome. Though I will point out, it was really weird in No Man's Sky that they just gave you one of these things. <laughs> like, here you go, have yeah. a ship. Like,
1: they gave it to you before you had any hope of doing anything with it, too.
0: and Again, like this is coming from somebody who wants to play these games to explore. Not to build, but to explore. And that's why I keep saying No Man's Sky feels more like it's trying to be a builder game. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, a lot of people really like that game. So don't anybody take this as like, I'm saying the game's bad. It's just not really for me. Um, And then it's also got a bunch of systems it won't let go of that kind of make it difficult to be a really good builder. Anyway, we talked about that. With Elite Dangerous, they focus very, very much on the exploration aspect. Like, you can monetize just finding another system and monetize well finding another system and scanning all the planets and they've actually got some interesting mechanics around trying to find all the planets in the system and then scanning the planets in the system and then you can trade all that data in to the central mapping committee and I've totally forgotten what the name of them is. But anyway, you can sell stuff to them and you can make a really decent amount of money. You can start to buy some pretty decent sized ships and start doing other missions. Like one of the missions that I am doing right now is just space tourism, where I'm picking up passengers who want to go see strange things and I'm flying them to that system and then I'm flying them back and they're giving me millions of credits. So that is fantastic stuff. All these things are centered and focused on exploration in some capacity. Even when you're doing combat, they're telling you, hey, go to this other system, find this faction. You've got to go and look for things, right? Um, so to me, that's one of the big differences between Elite Dangerous, regardless of, of janky controls and other things that you've brought up, and we should talk about those in a second, because um, there are problems with Elite Dangerous, don't get me wrong, but the core game loop has been centered around very well, I think, the idea of exploring and all the ancillary activities including things like space tourism or commodities trading or running missions for folks or getting involved in combat they're still linked back to that central mechanic of exploring and that's something that I don't feel no man's sky ever did so that's why I tend to prefer elite dangerous I prefer exploration games now all of my lovely praise things that I have said there are there are some problems (laughs) So, <laughs> I
1: think one of the big problems oh. is that it tries too much to be economy driven oh, yeah? uh, by relating every reward back to a cash reward. It dampens the variety of activities it has down to what's going to get me the most money.
0: I mean, yeah, I wouldn't argue that that's a bad thing though, but explain why that's a bad thing for for our lovely listeners. Explain why this is terrible. <laughs>
1: Because when I start out the game, Mm -hmm. um, I look at the mission board and I decide what's going to be easiest for me to do because I need quick cash to upgrade my ship. Explore. And I'll do if exploring is not on the mission board. (laughs) What? Are you saying they have a very... (laughs) You did not go into Elite Dangerous and go, okay, I'm just going to fly around and scan the system and then go and sell this data. Are you, you saying? Are you saying I had to go? Are
0: you, are you saying I had to go to the subreddit to have that explained? <laughs> uh, that's another thing we're going to get into in a little bit here. But keep going but with your with your comments. There's
1: data missions that you can do that basically take you between nearby sectors that yeah, give yeah, you a yeah, decent yeah. amount of incoming cash, and that's fine. Uh, and then you go, and it's like, okay, I've gotten a little bit of cash. Let me go buy a oh, I don't know, random example, definitely didn't happen to me. Let me go buy a mining laser, (laughs) and then I'll make some quick cash doing some basic mining and upgrade stuff so that I can get more stuff. You can't just go out and mine because they they don't tell you this when you get the mining laser. They don't tell you this during training or whatever. They expect you to sit down and read a 40-page manual before you try anything, so you go out to get ores from mining and you find out you can't pick up ores because you don't have anywhere you can put them you have empty cargo holds but you can't put rocks in your cargo hold that doesn't make any sense
0: yep you need things and, specifically for holding rocks and to be fair that actually which don't
1: exist in the world
0: <laughs> technically it's true in real life too um it <laughs> totally but, uh, random example, no personal connection yeah, y- yeah. you
1: go like they collected moon rocks and they put them in what are essentially heavy duty burlap sacks. and then they brought them back. No, you don't it's understand. they were heavy
0: duty space burlap sacks. See, it's a little different. <laughs> no like if you're talking about, to be clear, if you're talking about transport in real life, there actually are if we're talking about ships, like sea-bound ships, there are different yeah. kinds of holds that you need for different sorts of things. All of that said, this kind of goes back to probably our biggest complaint, which is the lack of explanations. And I know that things are supposed mm-hmm. to be... Okay, so often folks will try to reference uh, I, real, you to the... Quick, let okay, me finish
1: okay. up the, the mining tangent. Please do. Even once you get all of the stuff you need, you're looking at, at the start of it. You're looking at probably about eight hours of work to come back and get a thousand credits. Whereas one of the... Courier missions will easily net you 20,000 credits, and it costs usually around 10k to get any particular upgrade for a ship mm. at the entry level. So mm. it is just not feasible to do a mining route early in the game. Yeah, and I agree. By relating everything back to just a flat amount of credits, it really limits what they can do with it because if I the, the route that I wish they had in there for mining was that I could mine, I could refine and then I could build my own stuff, yeah. which as far as I know isn't a route you can do
0: yeah, I don't, I don't think that it really is and two, thing, two thoughts kind of stem off of this one is, is, it's definitely true that there are optimal ways to start the game so anytime there's an optimal way, for anybody who's curious, if you've never thought about this before If there's an optimal way to start a game, that means you're limited in the choices that you can take at the beginning of the game. Because there are ways that you could do it that are going to cause you to have a quote-unquote bad time. For example, starting off with just a small amount of mining in Elite Dangerous is not really the best idea. The optimal way to start Elite Dangerous is to go exploring, and to find different systems, and to take down map data and then sell it. Like, that's the best way to make money early in the game, and then soon after that, you're going to start moving passengers is usually the next thing and then after you've done these sorts of things and there's a few other activities that have to do with blowing up pirates as well that also can make you some money around there somewhere in there you can actually start getting into real mining which is not this little dinky stuff but like it's this multi-step process where you go and find void crystals inside of the rings of planets that have rings and you have to crack them open in a multi-step process and then eventually you hopefully get some void crystals and yeah they're worth epic tons of money but That's a ways down the way. So don't just just jump straight into mining because it's not a very good idea. So having an optimal route, though, I think you're correct in saying that having an optimal route is limiting to what the player can do. And the money-based economy, especially if you don't set up the economy correctly, can definitely contribute to that. I think that I'm just lucky with this particular game because it just so happens the optimal route is what I wanted to do. So (laughs) that worked out for me (laughs) pretty well. But this does lead back to another thing that we've both been complaining about and I feel like we should try to cover real quick, which is just that like the lack of communication in that game about what your options are is ludicrous. And I know folks will say, well, just go and take a look at the, the pilot's handbook or the player's handbook or whatever it is. Um, I dove into it that's yesterday. essentially
1: a, a wiki that you don't have to actually have internet access for. Uh,
0: ostensibly. Um, though you have to be online to play the game, so that's... Anyway, point is. True. The point is that. (laughs) The
1: wiki is probably a better source of information. It's a much better
0: source of information. Like I was trying to do a passenger thing yesterday and I couldn't figure out how to do it. So I went to the the fabled pilot handbook. I hadn't up to that point, but I was like, I should try to use it at least once. Because normally I just go and look it up online somewhere. And I went through the whole entire thing looking for an explanation of how to do passenger service. And guess what? It's not in there. It's nowhere in there. They tell you to go to a... Like, the passenger basically tells you, hey, go to this system and go to this place. What I didn't know, and this is kind of a stupid rookie mistake, but what I didn't know is that when you get to the beacon, you have to actually target the beacon, and then it will scan it, which is something I've known you can do with beacons because I use it to get data for systems all the time. But I failed to do that, and I moved on to the next place that I was supposed to go to, and now I'm like 140 light years from this beacon that I need to go scan. Not happy about this, but it wasn't explained and I know people are like well we shouldn't have to spell everything out for you to which my response is it's a made-up universe yes you do you really do <laughs> you need to tell me um, yeah. and that's just one example of many like they just kind of kick you out of the nest and say go figure it out like even just a little clue that says hey best way to make money early on go explore other galaxies and sell the map data it's just three sentences You could have just had the person say three sentences and and send you along your merry way. Even just that small something would have given you an indication of the best way to make money and kind of would be a good um, statement of intent for the game in general. If the tutorial's telling you, hey, going and exploring is the best way to make money, then you kind of have to assume well, this game must be about exploring then. Not about mining or fighting, but really more about exploring, you know?
1: There's a a bunch of stuff in the game that is just not friendly to the player like Mm. the idea that a fuel scoop is something that you have to go buy and for reference yeah in elite dangerous you have a limited amount of fuel on your ship usually it's not a problem you're jumping from port to port you refuel when you're at port all is well and good
0: unless you go through three systems where there are no ports
1: And that. This has is also not a personal example to from, a lot of people.
0: <laughs> this is also not a personal example from from Cedric's playthrough. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely didn't happen. to Cedric. Um,
1: <laughs> and you run out of fuel. There is nothing that you can do to reclaim that ship. In you fact, need there's, to contact other players. Yep. To ask for help.
0: There's there's so little. There's so much nothing around fixing that problem yourself that there is an entire guild called the Fuel Rats that are devoted to coming and helping you out. Like it's such a common problem that a organization that was formed outside of the game and has a very strong membership exists to fix the problem. <laughs> and I'm sure it's yeah. it's kind of viewed in the sense of, Oh, well, we're just we're all helping each other out. And in some ways, yeah, that's that's good, but um, Yeah. You know, you could have at least warned me. And that was the thing is like, they don't really warn you about this. I think if they warn you, it's a little bit more fair. But I remember you getting on Discord with me and being like, so I ran out of fuel. And my immediate thought was, ah, dang. Because I already knew from watching some videos and reading some some posts that that was a really bad thing. But definitely when you were talking to me, it was pretty clear that... um, you had not been informed. I mean, like, I, I
1: knew it was a bad <laughs> thing. My main frustration was, like, I knew I was running low on fuel. I'm like, I need to dock at the next station I see. Yeah. But it just never, there was no station. I jumped to four different systems and did not see a station. My my general um, rule
0: is if I see the... So there's two things for anybody listening to this. There's, there's two things that can help. One is I don't let... First off, I bought, like, a huge old tank basically so that i can mm-hmm. do bunches and bunches of jumps so that's one thing another thing is if my tank gets towards half i start every system i go to i'm looking for a place to refuel it and usually i can find one in a couple the last thing and this is i think kind of a almost personal to cj one because i know you don't like playing in the online mode um but if you do play in the online mode uh, other players fle-
1: particularly when i'm trying to learn a game yeah
0: other people's fleet carriers, which they tend to leave parked all over the place, um, can give you fuel. So you're adding a lot of gas stops by having um, by having the online mode turned on. And I should also point out for anybody who's curious, like when you play the game in multiplayer mode, you might as well be playing a single player game. Like the universe is so big that you don't really run into people unless you go looking for them. Um, and there are places you can find them, but like. I've been playing online the whole entire time and I don't feel like my experience has been noticeably different from Sedgix. So I don't run into people yeah. really. Except for I run into their carriers um, sometimes, which is useful. But yeah.
1: but back on topic a little bit, the, the fuel scoop, which is how we got off on to the oh, fuel yeah. tangent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is not a basic component of your ship. You have to go and specifically buy one, which takes up one of your equipment slots.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... It allows you to stop around probably half of the stars. Mm. If you stop at them and stay next to them for a while, it just passively refuels your ship. You don't have to activate it. You don't have to do anything other than be in a particular spot for it to work. Mm. But it's not standard on your ship because that would be because reason. convenient <laughs> like it seems like a basic survival tool yeah. that anyone going out into an expansive universe should, should have. have on their ship I by law like you this don't is, go on a yeah. camping trip without a tent
0: oh i mean some people do but i see what you're saying like you know most people don't go uh, on car trips without having a way to refuel I had an analogy my brain was working on and then it didn't work, so forget that I said that. But yeah. the point is that I would agree that it would be something that should be included on basic ships because it just kind of makes sense. Um, either that, if, you, if you're not going to have it on there, first off, make it a bit expensive so it seems like, oh, well, this just must be a difficult thing to implement and so that's why it costs a bunch of money and is hard to get a hold of or whatever and then have Thug. something that shows up that says, hey, if you run out of fuel in the middle of nowhere, you're hosed. So don't do that thing.
1: Be very, very careful. Yeah, the fuel scoop is dirt cheap, by the way. It is not even a thousand credits.
0: Yeah. That's why, like, either make it really expensive so that it looks like that's why we don't have it included on every model or just put it on every model. Like, um, having it be cheap. and Because if you have it really cheap, it just makes it look like people, oh, yeah, I don't want the ability to, you know, refuel passively at half the stars I go to. It's like, who wouldn't want that? Obviously, you want that. Anyway. Anyway... Um, we've just gone over but, yeah, two yeah. hours a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think like, oh, I wanted to talk about one more thing because we've been talking about three games here that are all related.
1: Mm. And well, so we've only gotten to two of them.
0: Yes. So I wanted to really quickly touch on, cause there's a bunch we could talk about with No Man's Sky and Elite Dangerous and we probably will in future podcasts because I'm likely to talk about them. But the last one I wanted to talk about, and this one we may not talk about again is uh, Rebel Galaxy. Which is very interesting to me. Um, It's not as... I don't quite know how to put it. Like, Elite Dangerous tries to be a bit difficult, and it's one of those things where the brain kind of thinks, well, if this is difficult and a little bit obtuse, then it must be more realistic. That's a whole other conversation probably for another day. What does realism mean when you're talking about a fantasy space game? Um, cause I don't think any game can claim that it's more realistic than others. They can just claim that they're more difficult and more obtuse. <laughs> um, that doesn't make it more realistic necessarily. So, but it feels less like it's trying to be simmy, but it's not quite arcadey. So it's kind of like a sim light is what I tend to call them where they're trying to be sim ish, but, uh, they're giving you a lot of help as well. Like there's an auto follow button in uh rebel galaxy. You can just hold down the left trigger and your your craft will point towards the ship you're trying to pursue it won't aim you exactly but it'll get you like you know so that it's in like a little circle on the front of your uh, on the front of your screen but the thing that rebel galaxy has in spades that neither no man's sky or elite dangerous can even kind of get close to is personality Like that game has so much personality—it's ridiculous. It's like there's there's a really easy to follow setting. It's basically a western in space, kind of like Firefly, but not exactly the same um, for a lot of reasons. Like a lot of the systems are named after midwestern states or, or cities. Like there was a Lubbock, Texas, that was in there it's a, it's a, a space station that is in the texas system so there's a lubbock texas there's an austin texas like there's a colorado there's wyoming like there's all these different places and then everybody kind of talks like you and acts like you'd expect uh, of people who are in that area um so it's uh it, it's and there's like the music fits really well with the theme the graphics fit really well with the theme every space station you go to, there's a bar that you go to and you can gamble there. You can play eight ball if you want to, and you can win money. And like, it's just, it's crazy. And it does all this flavor along with there's actually commodity trading. It's not in depth, but there is commodity trading. There's also space combat and there's also a of missions you can follow. They're all kind of a little bit simpler than you'd get in elite dangerous or no man's Sky, but they're all very fun and very accessible. And the systems are all kind of the common fare you'd expect from one of these uh, space Sims. But um, there are a lot of assists. So rather than necessarily... Um, rather than necessarily trying to... Uh, get rid of the quote-unquote realism stuff, they just make so you've got a lot of assists to make it easier to do the things that you're supposed to be able to do. So the game ends up being extremely accessible, and I could not recommend that game enough at this, at this point in time. Now, it's funny because I find myself wanting to go back to Elite Dangerous still because it's more relaxing. Like... Yeah. Rebel Galaxy is definitely straight in your face. And it is loud, and it is brash, and it is awesome. But for me, that's a small doses thing. So I'll probably play it here and there until I'm until I'm done with it. But heavily, highly recommend. That's definitely five out of five orphans, I'm thinking, Serdane. So, and Serdane put in a real quick comment here about realism. The only thing a space sim can claim is realistic is if it obeys Newtonian physics. Anything past that is pure fantasy because you're in space. Actually... Actually, I don't
1: know that actually. current space travel follows Newtonian physics.
0: Well, it should. Yeah, because in reality, you wouldn't want to follow Newtonian physics. You'd want to follow n-body physics. Uh, uh, see, I've been playing a lot of Kerbal Space Program, and I know these things. Because Newtonian physics actually is not completely correct. You need n-body physics plus relativity if you want to be completely correct. And I'm telling you right now, none of these games gives a rat's ass about relativity. So <laughs> it's like, you're going to go 400 times the speed of light. And it's like... Einstein spinning in his grave right now so yeah I think that but I do agree with the anything past that is pure fantasy because you're in space so you should be paying attention to n-body physics which is just an advanced form of Newtonian physics um, and at least make a nod towards the fact that you're screwing with relativity and that's probably about as, as good as you can get so but yeah a, a fair point Dan. I do I would agree with that anyway Rubble Galaxy did you, you I played it on stream yesterday Sajic did you have any thoughts on it at all did you see it? You were watching, weren't you? thought you were there. Yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah,
1: yeah. I-, I saw it. Um, I definitely agree that it has a lot more personality, and I think it comes down to the fact that it expects you to follow a plot. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they have written a plot, which then means that they're for the plot, which then means that they tried to make the world feel lived in. Elite Dangerous and No Man's Sky both are like... You get to do whatever you want, That's and as a result, expensive. we expect you to do anything and everything, so we can't focus on anything, and therefore, yeah. everything has to be just as important. It's, it's and-
0: endlessly expansive, and I think Elite Dangerous has done a good job of narrowing its scope beyond what No Man's Sky has done, because No Man's Sky is too open, in my opinion. But they do have that same kind of... Because like, there's like, is it 600 billion systems, or 600 million. It's many, many, many systems in Elite elite Dangerous. And then there's even more in No Man's Sky. Whereas inside of uh, Rebel Galaxy, I think it's under a hundred different systems. But that's fine, because it means that every single system is purpose built. And it has a lot more personality as a result. So I actually would count that as a massive plus. There's still plenty to explore. And it kind
1: of goes to the general complaint I have with a lot of open world titles, particularly ones um, that follow the classic Ubisoft formula, Mm -hmm. which generally is make as big a map as possible and then fill that map with predetermined activities that are kind of cookie cuttered. Mm -hmm. And it creates a very dense, very big world, but it never really feels like any particular section of the map is more interesting. I remember that was what color do you want the background? Yeah,
0: Cyberpunk 2077 had that problem as well. Like everywhere you go there's always a gang fight going on. It's strange. All the neighborhoods are really bad. (laughs) It's always there's always the same activities to do around. There's no parts of town that are like known for this or known for that because you're kind of just making a big map and then kind of filling it evenly with all things because you don't want the player to get bored. What if the player had to drive for five minutes to get to a thing? You don't want that. The bad. Yeah. What if you had to go to another planet and to get things in No Man's Sky? You don't want to do that. Ridiculous.
1: In uh, Elite Dangerous, it's not quite as noticeable because it never has quite the difference in activities that you do in some of the Far Cry games yeah. or whatever. But there's still a real problem of the differences between w- the system you start in and the system four hours down the road is what's in the story. Yeah. That's uh,
0: it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and this is... We're talking about Elite Dangerous, right? Yeah. My brain hiccuped for
1: a second. Sorry. But yeah, I'd, I'd agree that... But it's it, also it, true of No Man's Sky, though.
0: Yes. It has a certain sameness. And it's interesting. I kind of have to liken um, Elite Dangerous to shiny hunting. This is probably a random thing to say, but... Like... Elite Dangerous, 99.9% of the systems you go to look fundamentally the same, but the stars is a different color. Like, there's some planets, some of them have rings, some of them are worth more or less money, and you've got some stations. All the stations look relatively the same. Different colors, maybe. Different factions. The factions vary quite a bit, and that's good to see because it makes the missions more interesting, but there's nothing, like, super different from system to system. But every now and then, You'll go into a system and it will be completely different from anything you've seen. Like, I remember the first time I went into a place where there was a a white dwarf that was a high-rotational white dwarf that had jets coming out of the top and the bottom. And it was insane looking. I was like, that is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And I haven't run into another one. Um, I've seen people on forums who have been playing for a year and they're seeing their first one. So I got really lucky. And I know that there are bunches of other things that are like that where, like, you have to get really lucky to Mostly see a really
1: there's hmm? legitimate aliens out there in the world. Somewhere out there. Or a universe.
0: I don't I haven't run into them yet, yeah. but they're out there. So there there are a couple things about I, I think it
1: took like people, what was it eight, nine years before they showed up for any player, let alone yeah. an took, individual. It took some time.
0: And so there are some things about Elite Dangerous that are that are built in to make those exciting moments. You know, No Man's Sky doesn't really do that so much, but there are some worlds that are less common in No Man's Sky, but there's not really the same sort of oh you go into a system and everything's upside down and it's weird. Like like there's yeah. some there's some systems that have really, really, really big alien artifacts in them and I've I've never run into one. I just know that they exist because I've seen videos that talk about them. Um, so that it's kind of like shiny hunting in the sense of like every Pokemon looks the same until you get to the shiny one and that's exciting if you're you know if you're into that sort of thing which uh, Krona is so I have to at least be respectful of not Just kidding. I actually think it's really cool. I think it's really cool and but but Rebel Galaxy Outlaws does not have to deal with any of that nonsense because every single world is custom built. Everything feels a little bit different and And it gives the game so much personality. So if you're playing No Man's Sky or you're playing Elite Dangerous, and you want kind of a little kind of, you know, I need something a little bit different, but I don't want it to be too deep. Because if I had to put the same amount of time into perfecting uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaws as I did into Elite Dangerous, then that'd be hundreds of hours of time invested. If you want a game you can just jump into, but is reminiscent of No Man's Sky and Elite Dangerous, and is just fun and has a ton of personality and an interesting story with really really awesome B-list actors (laughs) their acting is that really awesome kind of not very good acting like I love it so much like go play that it is
1: the best kind of B-movie schlock
0: yes exactly the best best kind of B-movie schlock so highly recommend definitely give it 5 out of 5 orphans Um, to go back through the list since apparently we're putting ratings on things um, Elite Dangerous I don't feel like I've played enough it's funny because I've played Elite Dangerous way more than i've played uh rebel galaxy outlaws and i don't feel confident enough to give it a good rating for me right now it'd probably four out of five because the the one the one orphan that's missing is because the game does not explain itself very well so that would be kind of probably four out of five for me at the moment you know no man's sky I said two and a half no man's sky oh wait are you saying elite dangerous is two and a half for you
1: yeah Okay,
0: and that's fair because...
1: It's not my kind of game. Uh, It's not that Mm -hmm. I... Okay, I actively hate how they communicate with the players. Which is fair. Of the mechanics I understand, it's fine. There's (laughs) not a whole lot that I would say is screamingly wrong. So you, you, give it, you give it three it's and a half on gameplay,
0: and then you also take away an orphan based on bad communication. <laughs> so you end up with two and a half, yes. two and a half orphans. Yeah. My rating for No Man's Sky, I've been playing that one long enough that I feel like I can have an opinion. It may have changed in the last year. If it has, I apologize to Hello Games, and I, I give this with the caveat that I really appreciate what Hello Games has done to try to bring the game back from the dead. And for many players, it has definitely worked, but like, I am straight one out of five on that. I'd only give it a one because it's fun to play for a little bit because the planets can be very pretty. Um, but in terms of gameplay, like, I just don't get that game. Like, I just don't. And even after... I've owned it for three, four years now. I bought it a year after it came out. Um, even after all this time of playing and going back to it after most of the expansions and trying it again and all this sort of... Like, it just it's just not connecting for me. Um, I'm a big fan of the Explorey stuff. I like American Truck Simulator, too, because you just drive around... <laughs> and look at things while delivering packages. So,
1: you know, Elite Dangerous. I mean, I'm going to give No Man's Sky two and a half to three. Ooh, two and a half to three. Because I honestly prefer the simplified systems over Mm. um, Elite Dangerous. And as far as the way the economy works out, there's portions of it that you can do by collecting resources that you can do on your own. Which I know no. kind of frustrates you because they didn't implement it well, but I prefer that over just pure economy-driven.
0: Yeah, and that's that's fair. Like, And that's a difference in opinion for us. Um, pardon me, a difference in taste for us is what I'm actually trying to get to with that. But yeah, I think two and a half to three, based on our conversations, makes a lot of sense. And I know, I know for sure there are people out there that would give it five out of five orphans. So that's... Um, it's it's a bit of a divisive game part of the problem I personally think is that it can't decide what it is sometimes so you can get pulled in thinking it's something that is not and then have a bad time but if you want a builder in space yeah. that also allows you to fly around in a spaceship and collect stuff and see some pretty cool looking planets play no mans sky it's it's a fantastic game for that I would recommend it if that's what you're looking for but for me it's definitely one out of five orphans Sardane throws out, if he takes, if, if I'm assuming Cedric, if Cedric takes an orphan away for dev communication, I'm curious what his orphan rating for Warframe is, considering a dev once called a year, the year of reducing grind, and then the grind skyrocketed during that year. Lol.
1: <laughs> so it, it's important to note that when I talk about poor communication in the games, it's mm. not about the dev's projections for games, because as someone that has done software development, Whatever you project is never going to happen. It's always in flux on what your actual target is, and you're yeah. doing your damn best. Um yeah, Warframe do. definitely makes some design flaws in its predictions, but overall the core loop of Warframe is solid, much more solid than Elite Dangerous or No Man's Sky, in my opinion. And as a result, I give them more leniency and the mechanics yeah. in Warframe are much, much, much better explained than either No Man's Sky mm-hmm. or Elite Dangerous. It's, it's definitely um, important
0: to note that there's a huge difference between company communication, whether or not the company is communicating well and whether or not the game is communicating well. And I think mostly yeah. what we're talking about is whether or not the game is communicating well. And you're saying Warframe mm-hmm. actually does a decent job of that, right?
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't overload you up front. It doesn't expect you to go reading through the manuals. There's tech, There's actual feedback between when you're trying something and seeing how it actually affects the different enemies in the game. It's much more combat-oriented, so it mm. does have a bit of an easier time in that there is immediate feedback. Um, but overall, um, to actually answer the question, I would probably give it a four. Because four orphans, okay. Overall, I can't fault the game for anything. I actually have a lot of fun when I do wind up playing it. Mm. They seem to think that they need to have an end game on it. It's got that same MMO problem of they focus on the end game players that leaves the new players in a situation where they look at what they need to do and it's just Either you've been playing from the start, or you've got a giant grind ahead of you. Now that's not. I feel, not like, to say I feel that like I should start talking about quite, a realm
0: reborn at this point, but
1: <laughs> it's not quite as bad as Final Fantasy fourteen because the way that Warframe works and its power curve is that you get from levels one to thirty, mm. like you would in any other game,
0: mm. and then and then you get your job once stone. you get to. Th- Sorry, keep
1: going. Well, once you get to 30, (laughs) you have all of the abilities that you will ever unlock on that character. Mm. And then the way that they add more and more content to the game is they release new characters with new abilities. Basically, Warframe has probably about 60 different jobs as far as Final Fantasy XIV goes. Mm -hmm. But each of those jobs, instead of having what? 15 20 abilities to them they have four hmm. and so they say go back and do these new jobs that we're releasing so that makes it so that the difference between players that are starting the game and players that are at end game is only really ever going to be a 30 level gap at most hmm. and there's other stuff that you need to do you know equipment is still a very big thing. Um, but it, it's a much tighter loop than most MMOs. So Fair it's enough. not as bad. It's still bad, so four which is f- why it's not five, four out of five orphans. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, we were going to do a segment on the games we're torturing each other with, but I, I don't think we have time. I think it's time to be done. Two hours seems like plenty of time to me. So I mean,
1: I have got all the time in the world. I don't know
0: what your problem is that I want this to not be too much longer than two hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem. We need to make sure we talk about them uh next week. So our hope is to be recording this every week by the way for anybody who is curious. Um it'll either be Sunday morning or I'm considering moving it to Saturday morning or even Sunday afternoon or I don't know. But we're going to record it next week just not entirely certain when. Um but we'll talk about we need to talk about cold water cold waters and ender lilies because those are the games we kind of made each other play recently. Um, and a lot of I think interesting stuff came out of both of those. So should be hopefully an interesting conversation. I, I guess we will see. But uh, yeah. I think that's gonna be it for null point today, Cedric, What do you what do you think? We good with that. I mean there were still topics left to talk about. There's but- always topics left to talk <laughs> about. Always a zillion things to talk about. We're gonna make it so that two hours is the limit and then when we're done. And that'll just be the thing. We're making up the rules as we go today, or I'm making up the rules as we go today anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I feel like going on. You think this is your podcast or something? Is it? I thought it was Sir Dane's. Is this not Sir Dane's podcast? No. <sighs>
1: Sir Dan, are we allowed to stop? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do
0: think I want to record this at a time when other folks can get here. Uh, because the, big, the biggest problem with recording right now is just that Perdicious can't be here at all so maybe we'll maybe we'll fix it up so he can be there
1: as the audience gets larger i don't know how much the audience will intersect with it but primary Mm. religion in the united states which is the time zone that we're recording in is in session basically always yeah yeah
0: yeah i think that friday we might end up doing friday night and saturday night that may be the sweet spot right there yeah that might be the sweet spot We'll see. Anyway, we'll see everybody. You'll find out. And then I'm not quite sure when this is gonna be released onto podcast thingies. Sometime later this week. Uh I need to figure out exactly how I'm gonna go about that. So But if you're listening to this right now and you're listening to the podcast, well thank you for listening to us ramble for two hours, and thank you, Sudane, for being here during the recording. Um Gotta gotta go to six hours. No, nope, not gonna not gonna happen. Not gonna do it. I think that's an interesting thought, but no. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back again next week. Hopefully we'll have a slightly better time that people can actually uh, can get to. And we'll just have to see how it goes from there. And this will hopefully be released as a podcast sometime later this week. And you can just listen to it for a couple hours. And who knows? Anyway, that'll be it for No Point Today. You want to say goodbye, Cedric?
1: Have a
0: good week? What, <laughs> what's the timescale? Week? We sure. Week, yes. Week. Week is the timescale. Have a good week. Anyway. <laughs> we'll talk to y'all later bye bye